Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome back to 32 Fans. I'm Alex Chester, with me as always, Akiva Lineker. Akiva, how are you today? I'm great. I just, I thought of something. Uh, I'm going to be able to lord over you during this podcast. Yeah, what's that? I'm going to rush you along, if I do, or just at any point in this podcast or the next four months of podcasts, if you say something mean, if you go too slow, I'm just going to threaten to vote for Donald Trump. <laughs> Where, where did that come from? I was just thinking about it now. I, you know, I feel like that'll get you to listen to me. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, I am very excited. Uh, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, you're very excited. You've been begging to do this. You, even, you were like, oh, if we don't do this, there's no reason to do the podcast anymore. Yeah. Well, because here's the thing. Like, it's fun to do like the TV rankings, the movie rankings. But ultimately, mm-hmm. those are, to, to use a Yiddish word, those are narishkeit. You know, it, 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 it's silliness. It's like, oh, well, I have this one ranked this spot and you have this one on the next spot. It's like, well, I like this one more. You know, there's no really... Mm-hmm substance behind that whereas my my sports rankings are relying on the data so this week obviously we had the very momentous news on monday that uh, kevin durant has decided to uh break the nba Mm -hmm. and as a spurs fan i think other than oklahoma city and that franchise obviously is now irrelevant for a decade but as a spurs fan you guys are the second biggest losers in this right yeah because if durant goes to boston if he returns to okc I kind of wanted him to go to Miami because, I, like, I, I don't need Boston to be good again. Let not that I root for Miami, but they weren't winning the championship with just Durant anyway. Uh, like Durant and, and Brad Stevens could be a scary combo. Uh, you know, then you get them out of there, and then the Spurs are at worst the second best team in the NBA. Whereas here, you're, you're, the season's over before it started. Like, what are they going to do? They're still really good, but there's they have zero chance of. Now they're just stuck, and they're at best the second best team in the West. And now they they're losing, which you know, which which is meaningless. <laughs> yeah, it, it, right. I mean, they almost need to reload. Like you know, the, obviously the core is just Kawhi and Aldridge, and everyone else. There, there's, there's nothing you can do though. There's no reload. I mean, unless they're going to add another top ten player somehow. Right. This they is need a team, to add Westbrook. Yeah, the Warriors were quite possibly the greatest team in NBA history last season, and they lose the championship by three points. And now they added the second or third best player in the league. You know, replacing probably their weakest spot. <laughs> so it's just insane. Now, to be clear, I don't think Durant did anything wrong whatsoever. He made the decision that we all make, which is he made the he he went to a new company in which he thought was the best for his professional development. But 
it's it's just it's unfortunate that the series of sort of coincidences led him to be able to do that, right? Yeah. Which is but, uh, first, first of all, the fact the fact that the union blocked the smoothing so that the cap jumped twenty four million in one season, which meant everybody was under the cap. The fact that Steph Curry took that super low deal four years forty four million because he was worried about injury right before he became you know one of the best one or two players in the world, so that they had that space. And then the fact that the Warriors came back from that historic 3-1 deficit against Oklahoma City. Because obviously, if OKC wins that series, there's no chance Durant leaves to go to the loser. And that the Warriors then blew the 3-1 series against the Cavs. Because we agree, right, that if that if Golden State's the back-to-back reigning champion with the back-to-back MVP, there's no way Durant's like, piggybacking onto that, right? Right. He can justify it now by saying, well, they need me to get over the hump. Which is crazy. Yeah. All right. So I assume yeah. we're going to be talking about Durant later at some point on your yeah. best hundred. All right. List. So yeah. So let's save Durant for when we get deeper. And yeah. So for those who don't know, this is my top 100 NBA players of all time. Just to be clear about how I set the terms, I define this as the best NBA career. I don't care what you did in college. I don't care what you did in the Olympics. I don't care what you did off the court. If you were a good person, if you're a bad person, think of it like this. If you were the general manager or forget general manager, if you're a fan of a team and you were told. You, you, you know exactly how a player's career is going to turn out in every single way, with the, one, with the one exception being he'll stay on the same team his whole career for, you know, for guys who switch teams, which is most players, obviously. Who would you rather have? So would you rather have Kobe Bryant starting in 1996, or would you rather have Hakeem Olajuwon starting in 1984? And you know exactly what they're going to do in the NBA. That's all I'm ranking it on. And so it's not who had the best season. It's who had, you know, it's, it's both the, the peak, but it's also the length of a career as well. Because would you rather have 20 years of a guy or 12 years of another guy? Things like that. Right. And this is a chart I made many years ago, but I've, I've updated it in the last month. And I've updated it to include all of the stats through the season. So just before we hop into the top 100, I'll just, I'll just run through a few names of honorable mentions. Guys who are high-profile players, but not in my top 100. We'll start at number 155, Bill Walton. Okay. 155? You're not doing 55, guys. No, no, I'm not. I'm just, I'm just oh, jumping okay. around and saying got a few it, big names. It, so yeah, Bill Walton is at 155. He's a guy who, he's in most people's top 100. He was in the NBA's 50 at 50, basically all because of one good season. But what he actually did in his career, he played 468 games. He played less than Yao Ming. He played less than Brad Doherty. And by the way, his stats were far worse than both of those guys. He also is not an ESPN NASCAR analyst like Brad Dougherty became. That's true. But he basically, in the equivalent of about five and a half NBA seasons, he averaged 13 points and 10 rebounds a game, mm-hmm. which is whatever. He had one good season, and even that season is a little bit overrated in hindsight. Then he won the MVP the next year despite missing a third of the season. His career win shares is 39. To put that in perspective, I mentioned that Walton won the MVP in 78. The two previous MVPs were won by Kareem in 76-77, and he had as many win shares in those two seasons combined as Walton had his entire career. So, sorry, Bill Walton. Thanks for playing. But, you know, you're, he might have had great potential. He might have had a great season. But this is about career. And his career was one and a half seasons long. So, if you were next. ranking him based on, like, a per game, like a per 48 minutes basis, where would you put him? Not much higher. Because, again, his career averages are 13 and 10. It's not, even like, it's not even like, oh, he was incredible, and then he got injured. No, he had one good season, and then he was a backup for a couple of years. Are you saying if I was to rank every player's best individual season, where would he? No, rank? no, no, no. His career, but but taking oh, his career numbers aren't into great account because that he's uh, yeah. His career numbers aren't great because you know he was mostly a backup. So and it was after all his injuries in the Celtics. You know he was a very limited guy at that point. Okay. So yeah. So that's one fifty-five at one thirty-five. Joe Dumars. Uh, you know the late '80s Pistons were a great team, but it was because of their depth. It was Bill Ambeer, Isaiah Thomas, Dennis Rodman, Joe Dumars, etc. One of the things I've done, and we'll go through this. I've gone through, and I've done this also in baseball and in, and in football a little bit, but mostly in baseball and basketball. I've gone through every single year of NBA history all the way back to 1946, 
and I've redone who should have been the All-Stars each season, who should have won All-NBA first, second, third teams each season, and who should have been MVP each season. And so I will reference those stats more than the actual awards because mine are better, frankly. You know, Kobe Bryant was an All-Star the last two years, even though he was literally the second to worst player in the NBA last year. Who was worse, um, Kevin Garnett? No, Emmanuel Mudiay, the 19-year-old Oh, yeah, he was bad. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of shade thrown at Garnett, just warning everyone now. Yeah, yeah. Akiva is a KG hater because he thinks that in order to love Duncan, he has to hate KG. He doesn't understand that you can love both, as I do. But they don't love each other. Yeah, so. All right, so Joe Dumars, anyways, he suffered more than anyone else in my All-Star project. Uh, he made six All-Stars in his career, but he only deserved one. This is a guy, he averaged 16 points and two rebounds in his career. His career PER is 15.3. As a reminder, an average NBA player has 15. So he's basically 15. His career best PER was only 18. So Joe Dumars, he was great defensively, but overall, a uh, very overrated player. If he's not on a, on a team that wins two titles because of, you know, six other guys, nobody's ever heard of him. Mm-hmm. Similarly, one spot ahead of him is Earl the Pearl Monroe, 134. Playground legend. First of all, no team has been more overwritten about and more, like, romanticized than those championship Knicks. Yeah. Don't knock him too much because I still have, like, someone gave me for my bar mitzvah, uh, the starting five plus some of the... Bill Bradley. I think man. Bradley yeah. and a couple of the backups, like, a signed picture of all of them. So hopefully well, it'll always like, be worth a value. ton. But yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, Bill Bradley, you brought him up. He's, he was a rotation guy. He got voted into the Hall of Fame. It's insane. Yeah. Earl Monroe was a playground legend, put up big numbers in Baltimore. When he came to the Knicks, he was their fourth option. Again, yeah. he was a fine player. Having a good he, nickname really helps you, like, historically. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. He has a great nickname. You know, nowadays, everybody's nicknames are just their initials, pretty much. All right, uh, zooming on up to 122, another overrated shooting guard. Uh, that's Bill Sharman. Bill Sharman, I give him seven All-NBA first teams, basically because in the 50s, the only good guards in the league <laughs> were him and Bob Cousy. But let's look, he was a slow, short, white gu- shooting guard. He probably could not play Division One basketball today. He was a product of his era. All right, well, we're not, we're not saying, like, who's going to win, LeBron versus Bill Sharman. Oh, no, for sure. I judge guys relative to their era. That's true. But he was also a guy, he, you know, he was on the court with, with Bob Cousy and Bill Russell, and Heinsohn and, and a bunch of other superstars, and so it was it was easier for him. You know, he put up seventeen and four or eighteen and four, good numbers, but you know, a relatively short career, and that doesn't really stick out historically. Uh, number one twenty, Dennis Rodman. Dennis Rodman's the guy who everybody either way way overweights or way way underweights. Like I could hear an argument from being in the Hall of Fame. He was a historically great rebounder and also a very good defender. But he was also historically bad offensively, especially when he was on those Bulls teams. He, like, openly ignored offense. He would, like, go out of his way not to score. Um, all he cared about was getting rebounds. His, his career PER is below 15. And so, you know, he wasn't an overall player. He was very, very much one-dimensional. Yeah. For, when we get to the top 100, I want you to give, like, their, the player's cumulative ranking, like what all the other ranking sites you have, like, just oh, okay. to give an example. I, I have, yeah, I have that for everybody. Yeah, so I have rankings from, from 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 different sites. Now, keep in mind, a lot of these are a little bit older, like Slams is from 2011, so anybody, so recent guys suffer. Mm-hmm. Bill Simmons is from 2009. On his podcast, he makes reference to where he'd rank guys now, but, you know, but I, I so, so some, of the, some of the active guys, they're a little bit higher than their average ranking, or they should be. Um, all right, number 115, another Celtic. Speaking of Bill Simmons, he overrates every single Celtic. It's like comical. He, he's literally the highest on every single Celtic on this list. So Sam Jones is another example. Uh, Bill Simmons has Sam Jones at 33. I have him at 115. Sam Jones basically replaced Charmin in the 60s. He, you know, he was fine. He was very good, but his entire starting five is in the Hall of Fame. So, yeah, he won 10 titles. But again, the entire starting five was in the Hall of Fame. Sure, he led that team in scoring a couple times, but 
he had, you know, as we said, he had Russell, he had Kusi in the early years, and then he had Havlicek in the later years. He had Heinstein. I mean, he had so many guys on his team. So it's hard to judge how this guy would have been, you know, not not on a team like the Celtics as stacked as they were. Yet another overrated Celtic, yet another guy that Bill Simmons ranks way higher than everybody else. This is uh, Dennis Johnson. I have it 106. Bill has him at 52. Uh, most of the other people have him either the 70s or the 80s or not at all. I have him at 106. He was, you know, he was at his best in 79 when the Sonics won a title. But ultimately, he was a role player. Again, his career PR is below 15. Very good defensively. A, a little bit overrated also because he was on the Celtics. And, and he was on that 86 Celtics team, which might be the best team of all time. Number 105, and this is where I throw some shade at Akiva, is uh, your beloved Tony Parker. Yeah, Is this above or below Manu Ginobili? Manu Ginobili is at 178. Well, then nobody should. Eat. Everyone should shut off the podcast and stop listening, <laughs> because Ginobili on uh, w- like win shares per 48 minutes on Basketball Reference. Ginobili's 21st all time. Okay, so hold on a second. Ginobili's rate stats are very, very good. His per minute stats are very, very good, as you said. His PER for his career is at 21. He only played over 30 minutes a game once yeah, in his whole yeah, career. Exactly, exactly, and that is the point. Yeah, but he's a limited. It didn't matter. He's, he's not limited. They just didn't need him. He, they, the Spurs really? invented... did they win every did they win did they win every game in the last thirteen years of his career? No, they lost many games. What do you mean they didn't need him? Let me put it this way: if you play at an eighteen per for forty minutes a night, that's much more valuable than playing at a twenty one per for twenty minutes a night. Because Manu Ginobili, the other twenty five minutes that he's not on the court, he's adding no value. The fact that he can only play twenty minutes a night is an indictment of his ability. It's not okay? that he, he could; has... it's they decided that it makes more sense instead of playing him with Parker. For 30 minutes a night, they invented this idea that it took everyone else in the league years to figure out that one of your two or three best players needs to be on the court at all times. That, so, okay, but he, could, he they could do that same thing and have him play another 10 minutes a night. Like, look at the rankings. of the, Why is it that Tony Parker then and Tim Duncan always played 30-plus minutes a night their whole careers? I mean, 35-plus minutes, actually. Just, it's easier to back up a shooting guard than it is a point guard or a center. Oh, well, then how come every other top shooting guard played 40 minutes a night? Well, they career? needed them to. It's just the, this way they structured his minutes. It, didn't really, it never really worked out it, like that. It, it, the point is, he was a limited player. He's very good per minute, but he can't. Look, in high school, my per minute stats were great because I came off the bench and shot a bunch of threes, and then I went back and sat on the bench. Why? Because I wasn't good enough to play the whole game. So No, I'm reason. sure your per minute stats were terrible. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. No, one game I played like four minutes and hit like five threes. So There's, there's no way that's true. <laughs> No, that is. You can ask Ash Maria. Uh, it was the last game of our high school careers. I, sh- I hit three threes in the last 30 seconds of the game. I came in. We were down like seven or nine. I hit yeah, three threes in the last 30 seconds of the game. and we Down started. seven or nine? And you came in? They let you in? Downs only seven or nine? Well, they, that's why they put me in. I hit a bunch of threes. We got to within like two, and we still lost anyway. So. Uh, the story's <laughs> apocryphal, and I don't believe it. And I'm sure Sparrow no. will say that you're lying to. No, uh, he will back up that whole... I hit four threes, but I only hit three in the last minute. I hit another one, like, earlier. Nope. I, I, should whip them, I should whip up my yearbook and tell you the exact box score. Oh, my game. God. Yeah, please do. Anyway. Okay, but the point, the point is that he was a limited player who couldn't play all the time. Now, let's get to Tony Parker. Tony Parker, unlike uh, Ginobili, has played a, substan- has a much more substantial career. But, but again, he's, he was drafted to the right team. If Tony Parker was drafted by the Clippers, we've never heard of him. Ultimately, he's a guy who's put up 16 and 6 for his career. His... His, his, his rate numbers are okay, but nothing special. You know, he's not, he's not really been an all-NBA type player. He's never been an all-NBA first team. He's made three second teams, and in my opinion, he should have made three third teams. So he's fine, but he's, you know, he, he's going to go in the Hall of Fame, but that's also because he was on a championship team, and that's also, well, let's get to another guy on this list who's similar to Tony Parker, and that's number 100 on my list. We're in the top 100. James Worthy. I mean, the Parker bashing is so absurd. Like, you say that he would never have heard of him. in the Hall of Fame. Parker averaged, 
Listen to this. Playoff averages, 18, 17, 21, 20, 22, 28, 17, 19, 20, 20, 17. Like, they, he would bring it in the playoffs. They didn't need him to shoot in the regular season. That's also true with Sam Jones. Again, when you're on a team with tons of other weapons, and you, like, Tony Parker's a good player. Don't get me wrong. He's in my top 100. He's a Hall of Famer. Or he's just outside my top 100. He's at 105. But everybody around him on the list is in the Hall of Fame. Right? I mean, you'll see the next games, the guys I'm listing who are just the guys who are just above him at 199, 98. These guys are all in the Hall of Fame. He's a Hall of Famer, for sure. But he's not... You know, he, he never had everybody else. Everybody in the top 80 or 90 was on an all NBA first team at least once or twice. Right. Parker's peak was not that high. Mm-hmm. Parker at no point in his career was he considered one of the best two or three guards in the game. All right. So let's get to number 100. Number 100 is James Worthy. James Worthy. You know, you talk about great playoff performances. James Worthy's game seven in the 88 finals is one of the best, probably top five playoff performances of all time. Game seven of the finals, he put up 36 and 16, which is just incredible. But. He spent his entire career, other than that one game, as the third best player on his team. There's no way to know what he might have been on another team. But the bottom line is he was, he was never better than a third option other than one game here or there. He, he averaged 17-5 and five for his career, which wasn't that long. He played only 12 seasons, under 1,000 games. Mm-hmm. You know, his wins, so a lot of this is circumstance. If he's on another team, is he much better? Or maybe he's much worse. Maybe he's Mitch Richmond. We don't know. So that's James Worthy, number 100. Number 99, Clyde Lovellette. He was a Lakers center who replaced Mike in, in, the, in the early to mid-50s. Yeah, not much else to say. You know, he was a perennial all-star in the 50s as a center. Fascinating. Slow white guy. All right, number 98, Chris Mullen. So Chris Mullen, a, a little bit different than, than Worthy in that we got to see him as a star on those run TMC Warriors teams with like Tim yeah. Hardaway in the early 90s and Mitch sure. Richmond. And, uh, and then his career was so long that he was a good role player both for the Heat and for the Pacers. Even though his career is longer than Worthy's, he still averaged more points per game, more assists per game, higher efficiency PER. And, and now, by the way, he played in a lower scoring era because the 90s are much lower scoring than the 80s. So even though we remember Mullen as mostly a role player for all those years, he actually, he was better than James Worthy by every stat. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's number 98. Number 97, one of my favorite players, very underrated, Marquez Johnson. Do you know who he is? I've heard of him, sure. Okay. So, look, he's a guy, basically, due to injuries, he had a relatively short career. He played, like, under 700 games. And also, history's kind of forgotten him and those Bucks in the 80s because they couldn't get past the Sixers in the early part of the decade and the Celtics after that. But like, they were an elite team in the, in the 80s, and he was their best player and a top-ten player for most of the decade. I have him in three All-NBA first teams and two second teams. So he was, just, he was a dominant player in the 80s, and there was a lot of great small forwards in the 80s, and we'll get to a lot of them. But um, the only reason he's this slow is his career was so short. But um, you know, if, if, he, if, he, if his career was another five seasons long, he'd probably be a top-60 guy. And mm-hmm. then he'd probably be a Hall of Famer. All right, number 96, hard guy to rank, Sean Marion. Yeah, very hard. I mean, he almost, Marion was almost like either two years too late to be like a super duper star or two years too early to like end up being like a real three point shooter. Well, the stats love him. Yeah. Like his, he's got 125 win shares. Statistically, he was the best player on the Suns for years, better than Nash and Amare by advanced stats. And that doesn't even take into account the fact that his defense was very, very good, whereas those two were both terrible defenders. Yeah, he was a great defender and Nash was horrible. Yeah. Yeah, and he played forever. He played for 16 seasons. So, yeah, but he was never really seen. He made only four all-star teams. I would have given him five. Let me put it this way. In this century, since 2000, he's 10th in win shares. He's got more than Iverson, Carmelo, T-Mac, both your beloved Spurs, Manu and Parker, more than Bosch, more than Kevin Durant, Elton Brand, Dwight Howard, Dwayne Wade, Shaq, Chauncey Billups, Jason Kidd, Vince Carter, Steve Nash. He's got more win shares than everybody. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's a little hard to rank him, but I got him at 96. All right, number 95... Chet Walker. Chet Walker was a small forward in the late 60s and early 70s. You know, a forgotten player during a forgotten era. We'll talk about this a little bit, but basically, during the ABA era, which is 68 to 76, was the weakest 
the weakest era of the NBA for a lot of reasons. Part of it being obviously that you know the the best players were split across two leagues. But you know he was he was he played a relatively long time, especially for that. He played over a thousand games, and he, you know he was an annual All Star, made seven All Star teams. So that's mm-hmm. Chet Walker, number ninety four, Jack Twyman. He was a superstar in the fifties. Again, you know late fifties, slow white guy probably. But he made six All Star teams, and I actually put him on eight All Star teams. Put up nineteen and seven for his career. Mm-hmm. Solid. All right, number ninety three, very forgotten guy for some reason even though he's played in our lifetimes and now we know he's a, he's a terrible person. Uh, but the, uh, the city mayor of Sacramento, Kevin Johnson. Yeah. Why has Kevin Johnson never gotten hall of fame consideration? I'm not sure, but it's not happening now. Well, for sure. Not. Yeah. So one thing, look, his career, he only played about 700, he only played 735 games, but he averaged 18 and nine. He had six all NBA seasons. So he was, he was just behind Stockton and Peyton as, you know, like the best point guard in the game throughout the 90s and totally forgotten about he led with barkley that great son steven 93 yeah but now he's seen as such a jerk so he ain't getting the hall of fame now number 92 a point guard who doesn't have nearly the numbers of uh johnson but his team had more success and he's much more beloved chauncey billups chauncey uh, he was always more of a team player than an individual the bottom line is he was the best player on that 04 Pistons team that won the title. He played a long time, played 16 seasons. So his numbers aren't great, you know, 15, 3, and 5. He was a good defender also. He made, he made well, he made two second uh, teams on defense. But he was, he was a good defender. I, I give him seven all-star nods and two all-NBA second teams. So, and by the way, when I do those stats, I'm, I really, really rely on team performance a lot. I don't care if you put up numbers for a bad team. If mm-hmm. you put up numbers for an empty team, it doesn't impress me. All right, number 91, Amari Stoudemire. He's another guy. His prime was kind of short thanks to injuries, and he never played defense. Really, his, his high point was that first half season for the Knicks. Yeah, it's impossible to, if you, if you didn't live in New York, just to, like, th- that's the biggest basketball's been in New York since, you know, of, of this entire century by far. It was, yeah. it, it almost, trading for Carmelo almost ruined things in a weird way. Yeah. <laughs> no, because cause Amari was so red hot, and he was like the MVP of the league basically through 50 games. And by the uh, way, that trade also made no sense because if they would have waited till the offseason, they would have got him without giving up half their assets. Right. They would have had a real yeah. like playoff contender with Gallinari yeah. and Chandler. Exactly. Which I think is what we're seeing with Russell Westbrook. The reason I don't think he's going to be traded is because you'd have to give up so much to get him. Westbrook is going to put up numbers like nobody's ever seen before this year. It's going to be great. Yeah. Well, like, well, like he did last year when, when Durant was injured. Yeah, he's going to average a triple-double and 30 points. Yeah. All right. So Dave DeBusher is number 90, another very overrated Nick. He was a good defender, limited offensively. His PER is terrible. It's 15 and a half. So basically average. He, he has 60 win shares for his career, which is lower than anybody on my list. He, he was good for the first half of his, of his career in Detroit, actually, before he ever came to New York. But again, anybody on those 70, 72, 73 Knicks are automatically uh, overhyped. Number 89, very underrated player, Buck Williams. Wow. I did not expect to see Buck on this list. Why is he here? Yeah. Look, he played forever. He played 17 years. He's 16th all-time in games, but he still put up 13 and 10 for his career. His career numbers are the exact same as Bill Walton's, and he played triple the number of games. Uh, only seven players in history have averaged a double-double in th- and played 1,300 games. It's Kareem, both Malones, Duncan, KG, Alvin Hayes, and Stockton, if you include assists, and Buck Williams. So he, he put up numbers for a long time. He was also a very good defender, four-time All-NBA defense. So... Buck Williams, totally forgotten about in our era, and nobody talks about him, but solid player. Never yeah. a superstar, for sure. You know, it's also some of these guys, like even Moses Malone, like we, they were scrubs by the time we started watching basketball. So it's hard yeah. to imagine them as like these elite players, but they were once upon a time. Yeah. Let's keep talking about uh, sitting mayors. Dave Bing, mayor of Detroit. A lot of NBA mayors. Yeah, he's a guy who really put up empty numbers. He put up 24 and 6. 
But those were bad Pistons teams, and he was playing in you know the NBA's weakest era, as we said. It was the time you know the late '60s, early '70s. Mm-hmm. He's he's got really low win shares, only 69, which sort of exposes the fact that he was putting up numbers for a bad team. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, much better mayor and much better person than Kevin Johnson, and slightly higher in my rankings. Uh, number 87, a guy that I have really strong memories about. I'm sure you do too. Growing up in New York, uh, those Heat Knicks battles were always very legendary. Tim Hardaway. Hardaway, yeah, and also, I mean, are you counting his stint on hanging with Mr. Cooper? <laughs> really a legendary. Are we counting his stint with uh, Dan Levitard on the radio? <laughs> I rem- Do you remember that? He, he pulls a prank. I don't remember what no, he said. I just know he that said he, ha- he says he hates gay people and he wants oh, to yeah, the world. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure he's changed in the last ten years. Yeah. Um. You know, he pulled a lot of pranks and and Don Nelson in hanging with Mr. Cooper. Remember, he's like Hardaway. He like he was pranking uh, uh, Mr. Cooper. That's when he was on the Warriors. Yeah, it was it was Run TMC and. They yeah. needed they needed a twelfth man, and uh, it was uh, it was Mr. Cooper. Oh, um, I've never seen in a single episode. Hanging oh, such a, you should go watch you should go watch that. Uh, Where was it on your TV show rankings? I think it was probably in like the eighties or nineties, but it might have even missed. I don't remember. All right. Well, speaking of the nineties, Tim Hardaway was definitely the third best point guard of the nineties after Stockton and Peyton. Probably just out of the Hall of Fame, but um, and and obviously that, that that comment he made didn't help him in that regard. Although he's still eligible. All right, number That's 86. crazy he's not in the Hall of Fame, actually. Yeah, the, the, the Basketball Hall of Fame is such a disaster. It's just... An, right, it's it, not the NBA Hall of Fame. It counts college exactly. and, and, and foreign. Usually, college, should, international, women's, high school, everything. ESPN should make like their own Hall of Fame with like all four sports and like make it one attraction. I, I guess baseball would like flip out, taking away from Cooperstown and everything. But yeah. Have you been to Cooperstown? I've been to all four Hall of Fames. I'm looking forward to my son being old enough that I can take him there because I'd love to go to Cooperstown. He's not going to follow baseball. Zero interest, and I'm past the age when I can go with friends. Kids don't follow baseball. I'm shocked you've never been. Yeah, well, because I didn't grow up in New York like you did, so I wasn't like always, you know, just a, a short drive. Away. Right, but you're in New York, and it's it's even if you're in New York, it's it's the same drive as if you're just there randomly. Yeah. All right, number eighty-six, another power forward from the '80s who's forgotten about Larry Nance. Very forgotten about, much like Buck Williams. He was a great defender. He was the best player on those 80s teams. Like, I mean, they had Brad Daugherty and Mark Price, who definitely had higher highs. But Nance was long, was like, was like on that team for longer, was more consistent. This is a guy who, for his career, averaged 17-8, and eight, elite defense, a 22 efficiency, 20 PER, 110 win shares. I'm not sure why uh, Larry Nance is uh, forgotten. Yeah, I, I just think he was like more, of, he, had, he was viewed as more of a role player. Yeah. Number 85. Lenny Wilkins. So there's that great, uh, there's that legendary moment when uh, Lenny Wilkins was talking to Shaq. I guess was Lenny Wilkins a uh, coach, an assistant coach on the '92 Dream Team? I assume. I guess. Oh, well, Shaq wasn't on '92, so it would have been the '96 Dream Team. Yeah, he could have uh, been Dream a coach Team then. Two. Yeah, he might and, have been the head uh, and coach. Wilkins, and and Shaq said to Wilkins during practice, like, "Did you ever play this game?" And obviously, Lenny Wilkins was, you know, one of the NBA's fifty at fifty, a Hall of Fame point guard. Yeah, but Shaq was also on the fifty at fifty. So how how would he not know that? Well, the Shaq wasn't there. I think he was in. I think the only two only two people of the fifty not at fifty at fifty were Shaq and Will Chamberlain, who had just died. No, Pete Maravich had just died. Are you sure? Or, or was dead? Okay, and well, yeah. So it was. They, so the controversy about Shaq is, yeah. So the fifty of fifty they made in, in the ninety four ninety five All Star game, and Shaq had only been in the league for like two and a half seasons but very clearly was headed in that direction. So they put him on. But a lot of people were mad about that. And there was talk. And that, that All-Star game was actually in Minnesota, I'm pretty sure. And they were talking about how they were going to boo him at the game. And so he didn't show up. Really? He skipped the game? 
Yeah. Well, no, he was injured, so he's going to miss the All-Star game, but he still should have shown Usually the injured guys show up. They were going to boo him for being one of the 50 greatest players of all time. Yeah, when they when they introduced all 50, that there was talk that he was going to boo him. But he so was he already better than like five of those players on the list. Well, not in terms of career performance. Sure. Again, he, some he of these guys, for, wasn't Bill Bradley on that list? Weren't some of the bad Knicks on that list that you're talking about? Like, he was definitely better than a couple of the guys on yeah, the list. No, no, there was a, yeah, there was a couple uh, really egregious guys on that list. But um, anyway, yeah, but we're not talking about Shaq. We're talking about Lenny Wilkins. Uh, so, yeah, he, um, he It's made weird. Some people are teams. like only, like, you'll be a good player and you're a coach, but you're remembered as a player. Lenny Wilkins will only be remembered as a coach, even though he's a good player. Same with Joe Torrey. Joe Torrey was a borderline Hall of Famer as a player and had an argument to be in the Hall of Fame as a player. Mm-hmm. And never had a chance until he coached the Yankees to a bunch of World Series, and then all of a sudden he's in the Hall of Fame. Right. All right, number 84, uh, guys who are probably overhyped, uh, Pistol Pete Maravich. So this is a guy who, similar to Walton, in that he was a legend, and part of it is because he was legendary in college. But his NBA career was very short. He was always on awful teams. You know, he only played 650 games, 46 win shares, by far the lowest of anyone in my top 100. So, again, his peak was very good. You know who loves, you know who loves Pistol Pete? Who? Like old white dudes love talking about Pistol Pete Maravich. Yeah. Well, by the way, and here's a, the, another thing. Obviously, there was no three point shot. You know, Pistol Pete retired in 1980. You got, he averaged 24 points a game. If you add a three point shot, he's probably averaging like 30 a game for his career, right? Yeah. And then maybe we see him in a different light because he was shooting from all over the court. Yeah. He, everyone says he was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Injuries. Uh, injuries got the best of him. All right. Number 83. Spencer Haywood, he's seen as like a coulda, shoulda, woulda, you know, because of drugs and all that. But the bottom line is he still put up 20 and 10 in 844 career games. There's only 15 guys in history who have done that. Yeah. So, and by the way, just another thing, I count ABA stats and NBA stats the same, even though the ABA, the top players in the ABA were NBA caliber. Obviously, you know, the superstars like Dr. J and Artis Gilmore. But the difference between the leagues was in the depth. Like the fifth best guy on an ABA team would never have made the end of a bench on an NBA team. Which is why anybody from the NBA who went to the ABA immediately became an all-star. Yeah, no, but the, uh, statistically, the stats are, are merged together, so that's fine. Yeah, well, yeah, some, well, like, but the default, when you search on basketball reference, the default is not to include the ABA stats, actually. And you have to push a button to include them. Right, but I so, believe the NBA counts um, them. Yeah, yeah, they, they do. So, and I count them as well. All right, number 82, uh, another guy in the conversation for best players not on the Hall of Fame. Jack Sigma, he helped lead the Sonics to the title that we discussed in 79 with Dennis Johnson. He played 1,100 career games and averaged 16 and 10. He's also, by the way, because you and I were having a conversation about Duncan versus KG the other day, so I was looking it up. Jack Sigma is the third best shooting big man of all time behind Chris Bosh and Dirk Nowitzki, or Dirk Nowitzki number one and Chris Bosh number two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, then, and then I think Sigma's three and KG's four. Or, or, I might have mixed up that order, but the point is Sigma's the top four both in threes and in free throw shooting. And again, he he shot. He played half his career with no three point shot, or, or you know, with very few three pointers taken. So he might have been even better. But a Sigma underrated guy went to a D three college, Illinois Wesleyan. Mm. Wow. And um, yeah, made it to the NBA and had a very solid career and possibly should be in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Uh, one spot ahead, a guy who is in the Hall of Fame, uh, recently inducted, Dikembe Mutombo. Mutombo was so good that when he was on defensively, like, do you remember the All Star game that him and Iverson won? And it was yeah, like and Marbury. Yeah, it was like them versus and like guys who shouldn't have even wouldn't have been starters. Yeah, the West in was the infinitely NBA. better than the East as it always is. Yeah, so Dikembe, here's the thing. Like, let's compare him to Dennis Robin for a second. He was better offensively. Not that he was great offensively. He was limited, but he's better offensively. He was much better defensively. He made, he was all defensive player four times, which nobody else has ever done. Right. So st- stats always don't do justice to. Defense, you mean defensive but, player um, of the year? Yeah, defensive player of the year four you said times. All defense. The funny thing is, he was only all defense first team three times. So he was the best defensive player in the whole league four times, 
but he was only the best defensive center three times, according to the voters. And that's why voters are dumb, and that's why I ignore uh, their votes. All right, number 80. Let's uh, keep plugging along here. Number 80, Grant Hill. This is another coulda, shoulda, woulda. Yeah, what's Grant Hill up to? I think he'd be on TV, but he is he? No, a lot of people were into him like becoming a politician. People yeah, were very uh, talking. My my friend who works in politics was like, "Oh yeah, I think he's going to become like a real politician." You know, oh, you know what? He was trying to buy a team. Oh, he does. He he he's a minority owner of the Hawks. Oh, the Hawks. Right. Yeah, the Hawks have been sold like a few times recently, and he. But did they bring? Did they bring him on as part of like the PR, like to sort of have an like a Magic Johnson type thing? Probably, yeah, yeah. But this is a guy in the late '90s. He was a top five player in the league on those Pistons teams, and then he joined the Magic, and he got injured so many times. You know, he, the middle of his career was just completely destroyed. But he ended up. He came back. Those Suns, they ha- the Suns are known for their great uh, medical team. He ended up playing over a thousand games. So, kudos to uh, Grant Hill for coming back. But uh, this is a guy, you know, hard to judge because he had a peak and then he had a valley, and you know, hard to know where careers to were ruined by injuries. Yeah, number seventy-nine. Another one of those extremely overrated players. Uh, Bill Simmons has him at 58, which is higher than anybody else. Bernard King, he's basically overrated because of one playoff series he had for the Knicks. He was better in Golden State and in Washington, and ultimately he was mostly, uh, you know, good stats, bad team. Good stats, bad team. You know, he had one great season for the Knicks. That's his career was really one great season. He is he is similar to Pistol Pete, like slightly older, like New York old crusty white guys love love Bernard, Bernard King. King. Yeah. Like, yeah. uh, what William Goldman's favorite person in the world is Bernard King. <laughs> yeah. And there was also that good 30 for 30 about him. King at last. What was it called? It was about him and at Tennessee with um, Grunfeld. Oh, that was good? I thought that was, like, lame, no? It was Bernard King and Ernie Grunfeld, you know, like a black guy and a Jewish guy in the South, uh, you know, leading this the college. Oh, the Ernie team. and Bernie, or what was it called? Something like that. Yeah, I forget the name the, of it. By the way, I have, uh, I should have done this up top, but I, I have a great uh, TV show slash documentary recommendation I, i've been What's watching that? um all or nothing which is essentially hard knocks but it's hard knocks a full season much better than hard knocks uh and basically cameras followed around the arizona cardinals from the draft or even in the draft room a little bit uh through the playoffs and it's amazing it's it, hard knocks is great but hard knocks is just about who's going to make the team it focuses a lot on the peripheral players here you have a much uh, bruce arians who is better than any coach Hard Knocks has had, except for, I guess, Rex Ryan. Does this move him up on your NFL coach rankings? Or will it's have to gonna, I mean, it doesn't, because anytime I see one of these coaches, they have all these weird superstitions. and Oh, but it is going to, because you moved up um, the Texans coach last year way too high because of Hard Knocks. Yeah, he's going back down. Yeah. You know it's football offseason, I can't even remember the Texans coach name. Bill? Bob? Bill? Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien, that's it, yeah. It is weird how, like, when you're in the season, you know everything, but then you don't. You don't think about, uh, you know, yeah, like your name. Your brain like only has so much space in it. Speak for yourself. I have an <laughs> infinite amount of space for football. Yeah. I don't forget the football stuff. So everyone should watch it. It's so good. Yeah. It's on Amazon Prime. Eight episodes. I'm, I'm in the seventh episode now. No spoilers. They're in the playoffs. They're playing the <laughs> Packers this week. And if they oh, win. Oh, it's last season. It's all of last 2015. season. 2015. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so Hard Knocks is live, though. So. Yeah, it, there is like a long turnaround. But, yeah. uh, but it made it a better show. A much better show, yeah. and it's not like super old. It's still it's still a few you know. It's only a few months ago. They, yeah, um, it, you know. But you, you see a lot of the better players. They spend yeah, a lot of watching, time. You're not watching to see the outcome of the games. No, they do spend a lot of time this. in the games. But they have because it's the NFL. They have everything. So like they could show you the yeah. t. They literally they have full access to any you know. They can show you the highlights in any way they want. They could 
you know, go in on the TV telecast and show, you know, Joe Buck talking about something. They could go in. So they have like. Do they show Akiva Wienerker with his preseason Super Bowl prediction? Of of the Arizona Cardinals? No, that would have been a yeah. good. That would have been a good uh, sort of like. A lot of times they do show like the like the coaches or GMs like watching. Uh, listening to no watching watching Sports Center. <laughs> so and it's you know and then they're not listening to our podcast. They watch Sports Center while they talk about the Cardinals. Like you know they have yeah. Chris Johnson who had just gotten shot. That and like he's listening. He's watching Sports Center as they're talking about him getting shot. That's pretty cool. Yeah. All right, so back to the list number 78. Um, this is a guy who really got screwed by uh, people ignoring ABA performance, and that's George McGinnis. Yeah, bad name. Yeah, I mentioned the 15 guys who put up 20 and 10 in their career with 800-plus games. I mentioned that for Spencer Hayward. So George McGinnis is the only one of those 15 guys not in the Hall of Fame, which is ridiculous. I understand his best years were in the ABA, but he shouldn't be punished for that. Again, he put up 20 and 11, the efficiency of 22, PER of 20, seven-time All-Star, seven times on a, on a Chester All-NBA team, only five times on the actual teams. So, you know, he had a very good peak. His career wasn't that long, but his numbers are basically identical to uh, Spencer Haywood, who's in the Hall of Fame. So he should be in the Hall of Fame. Number 77, Tiny Archibald. Tiny. See, that's a good name. See, George McGinnis is in the Hall of Fame because of his name, and Tiny Archibald is there because of his name. Well, his name is Nate, but everybody calls him Tiny because he was tiny, and yet one season he led the league in scoring and assists, which is just insane. He put up like 31 and 11. Speaking of nicknames... You know, are you on board with the Wheels Wienicker? <laughs> yeah, didn't I say that in an email that I sent to your Seinfeld podcast this week? You know, because I, I, everyone who's emailing now, it's like, hey, Robin Wheels, the people liking the yeah, Wheels. Yeah, I, I referred to you as Wheels Wienicker. So you're, but I didn't introduce you that way on the podcast. My you're pro Wheels, but what? So you need a nickname, though. Should we start this podcast from the top? Welcome to Thirty Two Fans. I'm Alex Chester, and with me as always, Wheels Wienicker. Wheels. Well, how's it Wheels rolling? doesn't real, Wheels is my football name, and this is oh. a basketball podcast, so it's Threenicker. Oh, Threenicker. Well, then I can't say how's it rolling. Threenicker. By the way, it? I yeah. uh, my son, my two year old son, cleaned up his toys very nicely today, and yeah, I thought of something I had not thought of in thirty two years, which is like I said to him, they should call you Cleanicker to my two year old, <laughs> and like the look my wife it? gave me. <laughs> She's already not okay with our last name. The look. Yeah, I was gonna say. Did she change her name? She. It took her like a decade. Rough. It took her literally a decade <laughs> to change her name. The look my wife gave me is. It was. You know. It's such a good joke, and and uh, everyone hates me. No one. No one appreciates it. That's why I podcast. Yeah. So maybe strangers can can think I'm funny. Yeah. There's so many puns on my name, and he cleaned up. I'm like, wow. They should call you Cleaniker. All right. Uh, so that's 77. Tiny Ar- Archibald. Number 76, a player from the 60s, Bailey Howell. He was a great player in the 60s, forgotten pretty much. Totally forgotten. No one knows who he is. Then he joined the Celtics and won two titles with them, but, but he was you know he was an all-star before he joined the Celtics. This is a guy who I put on nine all-star teams, though. 115 win shares, so a deserved Hall of Famer, uh, if a mm-hmm. uh, forgotten player. Right, number 75, Billy Cunningham. Billy Cunningham had a relatively short career in the late 60s, early 70s, but he was a top 10 MVP type player for a couple seasons in both the NBA and the ABA. Uh, mm-hmm. He won an he won an MVP in the ABA. As I said, short career, but he put up twenty one ten and four for his career. Very impressive numbers. Billy number seventy four, Wes Unseld. So you talked about I should say where guys like cumulative rankings are. Mm-hmm. So Wes Unseld is fifty three or higher in four different rankings. To me, he's he's a little bit overrated because this is a guy who averaged ten points a game for his career. It, it, but it's and it's not it's not like he was some like great defensive wizard either. He never made a uh, an all defense team. So. He won an MVP. His rookie year, he won rookie of the year and MVP, which is kind of nuts. 
Um, now, again, he came into the league in a week time when, you know, a bunch of guys were in the ABA. But I've never really understood why uh, West Unsell is so beloved. No, look, I didn't see these guys play. So Elvin Hayes, to me, was the best player on those Bullets teams in the 70s. So sorry, Wes. But uh, number 74, still have you in the Hall of Fame. Career 50% three-point shooter, Wes Unsell. Yeah, how many did he take? Two? Well, three for six because he just came in. At oh, the end six. Of took six. Oh, wow. Yeah. I thought it only took two. All right, not bad. Too bad he didn't hit another one. He could have been a career 67% for three-point shooter. All right, number 73. Now we're going back all the 1950s. Ed McCauley. So he basically became the uh, the best point guard, the best center in the league when George Mikan retired. And he was uh, he was Cousy's partner for the Celtics before Bill Russell showed up. Uh, so he only won one title. But uh, at his apex, he was you know very good. Four-time second-team uh Second best center in the league. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, only played 10 seasons and it was in the 50s. So that's number 73. Number 72, Chris Bosch. Yeah. I assume you have more to say about Chris Bosch than you about Ed McCauley. You know, it's sad that his career is over, basically. I assume, I assume he's never going to play again. Well, we, this is the thing. Right now, he's a top 30 player. So top 40 at the lowest. If he, if, if he can, you know, come back, obviously. So. Let's say if his career is over, this is a guy who played nearly 900 games and averaged 19 and 8. He was a top 15 player in Toronto. He was a top 25 player in Miami as a third banana. But what separates him from a guy like James Worthy is we saw him as the top guy on a playoff team. Like, he was leading those Raptors teams to 45 wins a year. And then what? Like, anybody well, could lead an East team to 45 wins and then lose in the first round of no, the playoffs. No, but, but he was he – was, he was un- I mean, he was an all-NBA player every single year in, in Toronto. Like third-team all-NBA. Yeah. But that's what he was a top fifteen player. Sure, and then he took and then he took a step back. But I'm saying, but he so he, he did on Miami what Worthy did on the Lakers. But he also did on Toronto what we don't know if Worthy could have done if Worthy had been on the Clippers or something. Fair so, enough. I mean, he had a lot of bad moments. Like he, it seemed like he, sh- you know, he shrunk in the clutch. Uh, he also looks like a dinosaur. Positive when he was on the Raptors it made less sense on the Heat. No, oh all right, number seventy one, a young active star, impossible to rank right now. That's Russell Westbrook. Yeah, more skills than anybody on the whole list and well look he's headed for the top 35 maybe even higher but that's assuming his career is less than half over but right now he's played 580 games how much effort do you think he put into pitching durant and Destang in the last couple weeks <laughs> i don't think it makes a difference but uh, i he probably did not give it his all but did they he, have a was... conversation oh for sure they did yeah he spoke you... to him on the phone and he spoke to nick Collison on the phone is what i heard oh nick well <laughs> they're probably like all right the, the fourth guy well, the no, Warriors are sending me is Iguodala, who's my friend. Yeah, but, but the Thunder can send po- me Westbrook and Nick Collison. Yeah, but Collison's been with the team since Seattle. He, he's the only other guy with, with Durant who can say that. He's been on the team the whole time, so they're buddies. Listen, it couldn't so, have happened supposedly. to a worse team. Like, hard to feel oh, bad. Oh, because they because stole they another team. It's like, it's like when it's you... It's not the fault of the fans in Oklahoma cheat. City, though. It's like when you cheat on, you, you know... Cheaters a guy, never a, prosper. A guy, a guy yeah. cheats on his wife or a woman... You know, breaks up a marriage, let's say, and then she gets shocked. She's shocked when the dude cheats on her after they get married. That but hold on, I, I don't think Oklahoma it's fair City. to say that Oklahoma City is the other woman. I think it's fair to say that there's a guy who's in a really destructive marriage and then ran out on his wife and kids and then met this other woman. Are you talking about because it's like Bennett? Oklahoma? It, yeah, it's well, no, the Clay Bennett is the bad guy, but the fans of Oklahoma City can't be blamed. I mean, they live in Oklahoma. They didn't do anything wrong. Well, that's true. That, uh, no, you know, we get we get criticized for anti non East Coast bias. Our, our anti Oklahoma bias is very strong. De- By the way, in that Arizona Cardinals movie show, Michael Bidwell, the owner of the Cardinals, does not come off looking great. Yeah, that's another. Couldn't happen to a nicer guy. 
The Bidwells have owned that franchise for 100 years, from Chicago to St. Louis to Phoenix to Arizona, and they've been terrible the whole time. Right. And they... I mean, historically terrible. His storyline is his dog, like, which is allowed to run around the office and everything. <laughs> like, that is the owner's storyline in the show. People who bring dogs to their office... Yeah. Yeah. Enough said. And I love dogs, but it just it's the kind of person who can bring the dog to the office. It's usually the boss who doesn't really do anything, but sort of has the power that nobody can say anything to him. Mm-hmm. And it's cute to have a dog around the office until he drops a turd in the middle of the carpet, you know. Yeah. And the yeah. and the owner's not the one cleaning it up. It's, no. it's definitely some low, you know, for sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, number seventy. This is a guy who for his career averaged seventeen points and fifteen rebounds a game. One of only three players in history, along with Will Chamberlain and Bob Pettit. Mm. That's Jerry Lucas. Luke. Now everybody else has him ranked much higher, except for ESPN. But um, most of the lists have him in the in the fifties or even a. Uh, Bill Simmons, well, Bill Simmons has him 64, but a couple of seven in the 30s, even Sports Illustrated and Slam. But here's my issue. His Royals teams never topped 48 wins. And then by the time he joined the championship Knicks, he was a backup at the tail end of his career. So he put up big numbers for a bad team. And again, this is in an era when, you know, a lot of the best players in the league were in the other were in the ABA. So this was really a good stats, bad team. And then he was on a good team and he had bad stats. So Jerry Lucas, number 70, but uh, putting him in the 40s or 30s, a little too high for me. You know, he's like the best memory in the world. Jerry Lucas? That's his thing. He's Dr. Oh, memory. He has like the world's best memory. Oh, did not know that. Yeah. You probably, you probably once heard it and forgot because you don't follow Dr. Memory. Because I, ha- I don't have it. Yeah, because I don't have his memory. That's true. All right. Uh, so I just said that it, he's one of only three guys with 17 and 15. Well, if we extend that to 15 and 15, then um, we have to add two more, which is Bill Russell and uh, number 69 on my list, Nate Thurman. So one of five guys to put up 15 and 15 in his career, and the only one who played longer than Thurman was Will Chamberlain. Bill Russell played one fewer game, so he basically played as long as Bill Russell. 15 and 15, seven-time All-Star, five times on an, on an All-Defense team, but he never once made an All-NBA team. So I think that says it all. He played, he was a decent center, but he was never as good as, as Russell or Wilt or, you know, the, the, the great centers of his time. Right. So, sorry, Nate. Uh, number 68, Adrian Dantley. Here's an interesting guy. Here on most, he's on most lists in the 70s and the 80s. Uh, Bill Simmons has him at 66, so very close to me at 68. Although, again, Bill would have him lower now because there's active players who have moved on up. Uh, guys like Kevin Durant and whatnot. He's 31st all-time in win shares. So he's a no-question Hall of Famer. He was a scoring machine in the 80s. He averaged 24-6-3 and three over his career of 955 games. Those numbers in that number of games... Only 10 people have ever done it, and the other nine are all in my top 30. Kareem Wilt, Malone, Jordan, LeBron, Oscar, Dr. J, Kobe, and, and Barry. Uh, and also, and this is the crazy thing, he shot 62% for his career, and he wasn't a center, so that's kind of crazy. 62? That seems impossible. He shot 62%? True shooting percentage. Sorry, that's his true shooting percentage. Oh, okay. Yeah, still, he shot 54, which is amazing, but it's not 62. Yeah, yeah but 62 is his true shooting percentage. They're both amazing numbers. So Adrian Dantley, really a scoring machine. You know, not much defense, but tremendous player. And the guy who's one spot ahead of him, he basically has the exact same career. Uh, the only reason that I have him one spot ahead is he's not done yet, and that's Carmelo Anthony. Not, not exactly a 54% shooter, though. Yeah, that, for sure not. But he's also put up you know, 25, 7, and 3, very identical numbers. He's played almost as long. Yeah, his, I mean, his I, I is not can't as good. speak to Adrian Dantley's defense, but Carmelo is not a good defender. I mean, he can play yeah. mediocre defense when he tries, which is literally never. He's not yeah, James and also, Harden. And neither one of these guys has won anything. So. I think Carme- I mean Carmelo is I think just really overrated historically. Like he he is Mitch Richmond, just a you know bigger and he's a, he's a better rebounder. 
but like what what exactly like if it, if you just have Carmelo other than you have, other than scoring what skill does he really have like look he's you know he's been and granted these were horrific teams but he's won you know 28 30 games as the best player yeah. on his team he Euroboy is amazing like he's the best player when they yeah. play in the Olympics but by the way Mitch Richmond I have as 129 on my list so he's not Mitch Richmond he's better than Mitch Richmond you hate Mitch but, Richmond yeah, but no, I don't hate him. He's just he he is one dimensional. All he does is score, and his teams were always bad. I mean, look, Carmelo on the Nuggets, they were making the playoffs every year, and he's made the playoffs a couple times for the Knicks. But yeah, he's not going to be the best player on championship team for sure, and and it's certainly not at this point in his career. Well, Mitch Richmond went uh, title hunting, like the the David West style title hunting yeah, with yeah. the Lakers. So with he Lakers, has a yeah. title. Yes, he did. That's true. Uh, much like Gary Payton on the Heat, he right, scored. Uh, he scored uh, one basket. Yeah, in in <laughs> four minutes of playoff play. This is a really a shoulda, coulda, woulda. Chris Webber, he was in the conversation with Duncan and KG for best power forward in the world in the early O's, but he couldn't stay healthy, couldn't win a title. And also, I mean, he was a far worse defender and leader teammate than, than obviously than KG and Duncan. But I, I think he's actually become underrated. It's crazy he's not in the Hall of Fame yet. Yeah, that'll change. Part of it is... Oh, for sure. But he should have been in the Hall of Fame like right away. College is involved. Yeah, but he, he was also a great college player. He should get back together with the Fab Five. It's sad. Yeah, it's he's like yeah, like enemies with them. That was a great thirty for thirty, also by the way. All right, so yeah, so he's number sixty six on my list. Number sixty five on my list. His career was the exact same length as Weber's. They both played the exact same number of games, seven games difference, and they both started at the same time, pretty much. Um, Alonzo Mourning, and they both retired at the same time. So he had the same career as. But Mourning's a better defender than Weber. Yeah, so he was instantly put in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, much better defender, obviously, two time, um, you know, uh, defense player of the year. An elite defender, but he was nowhere near the scorer or passer or even rebounder than Weber was. And, like, he was never even really the leader on his team. It's like, a, like was Weber, Weber was the undisputed best player in college basketball. So how, yeah. like, if college basketball factors into the Hall of Fame, it really makes no it sense help he's not in there. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Exactly. And in the NBA, he was as good as Duncan and KG for a couple of years. He was really good. Like, he is he a Hall He didn't keep fame. it up. Yeah. Alonzo Mourning. I feel like those 90s teams were really Tim Hardaway's teams. And, and even those early 90s Hornets teams, were, that was really LJ more than uh, Zoe. Yeah, if Alonso is your but, best um, player, you're making the playoffs, but you're not doing anything. Yeah. And he also won a title in 2006, you know, backing up Shaq, basically. Mm-hmm. All right. That's number 65. Number 64, another uh, one of the most overrated players of all time because he's a Nick. And, I mean, you want to overrated this, this guy is. Bill Simmons has him at 30. Slam at him at 32. These other rankings have him at 34, 40, 48. So no one has him lower than 48. A couple rankings don't rank him at all, but um, those are only top 50 this rankings. Is this Clyde or Willis That's Reed? Willis Reed. So if he never has that moment, nobody knows who he is, really. For sure. Ofsonetsky likes to say to me that uh, Knicks fans always say it's, uh, it's Ewing for the career and it's Reed for one game. But that one game was he scored six points. He played two minutes. The bottom line is he has that one iconic moment. He played 650 games during the NBA's weakest era. And he was never the best center in the league. He barely, he had a short career, put up 19 and 13. Fine numbers, but he played the equivalent of about eight seasons. So, mm-hmm. sorry, Willis Reed. Good moment. All right, number 63. And, and this is one of the things that completely enraged me. When ESPN came out with their list of top 100 players of all time, which they did just a couple months ago, he was number 23 on their list. Do you know what I'm about to say? No. He's played fewer than 500 career games. He's won two MVPs. Curry? There you go. I mean, it's impo- it's silly to rank Curry. Yeah, it's but the bottom line is he's played so these are the, he's actually as old as Kevin Durant, who's way higher on this list. 
but partly because he went to college and partly because, you know, it took him a little bit longer to get going. He went to he college for four years, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh, well, yeah. That, yeah. I mean, Durant was in Texas for one year. But the, the reason he went to college for four years is because nobody ever thought of him until, you know, all of a sudden his senior year. By the way, if you gave Rick Barnes this Golden State Warriors team, wouldn't that be fair? <laughs> <laughs> like, that would sort of neutralize the... What is he doing? Rick he's Barnes? He's still the coach of Texas, is he? No, no. He got fired last year. Ah. Uh. He, I think he's. Uh, I think he got a job somewhere else. Yeah. So look, it's impossible to rank Stephen Curry. Tennessee volunteers. But yeah, I have him at sixty-three right now. Obviously, he's going to keep on going up. Assuming he can stay healthy, he'll be in the top thirty, maybe higher. But he is an injury risk. It's also an interesting situation where he's won the last two MVPs, but everyone in the world admits that LeBron is better. I mean, Curry's seasons were better, but like as a player, obviously LeBron better. So yeah, Steph Curry number sixty-three, and he's headed on. He's moving on up. Number sixty-two, probably not going to move much higher. Now that he's on your team. Paul Gasol. Can you say pow like a human being? I said pow. You said paw. Like he's on Paw Patrol. <laughs> Whatever it is. Pow Gasol. Uh, he's underrated because he played with Kobe, who's overrated. He was the best player on the Lakers in 2009 when they won that title. I mean, they were amazing. Like, people forget. And he's put up all-star numbers the last two years in Chicago at 34 and 35. Yeah. He's like the only old guy still dominating the league. So good news for you that he's joining your team. Although, to be honest, you know, the Timberwolves are one of those final four in the conversation for him. I wanted them to get him because, like, the Timberwolves never get well, He's not the right reagent. guy for your team. You want young Yeah, players. he doesn't he, – he doesn't – but not only that, but he doesn't help because he can't play defense at all, mm-hmm. which is why, as a replacement for Duncan, it doesn't make sense. No, Duncan was an amazing defender this past season. Yeah. And everyone Gasol's says Dun- Duncan's for sure retiring, and they need to beg Duncan to come back. Yeah, I think Duncan's still one of the best 50 or 60 players in the league, and um, he did not look good in the playoffs. Duncan but was, I, I, think I mean, there were metrics that Duncan, like, that Duncan was yeah, we way hard in top Duncan 60. Duncan and KG were like two of the best defense, top five defensive players in the league this year at 40 years old. Yeah. So yeah, so um, hopefully he'll come back, but we'll get to him. So uh, yeah, but that's, that's Paul Gasol, number 62. Number 61, Walt Bellamy. This is a guy, very empty numbers. He put up, he played over 1,000 games and put up 20 and 14 for his career. Mm-hmm. But yet, he never made any All-NBA team. First, second, third, anything like that. Uh, the only other player to put up 20 and 13 in as many games is, is Will Chamberlain. So he put up huge numbers, but relatively empty. Never won anything. So, um, yeah, that's Walt Bellamy. Number 60. This player uh, played the most games in NBA history. Do you know who that is? The most games? Yeah. Mm, Moses Malone. Nope. Robert Parrish. Oh, Okay. Do you remember Robert Parrish was on the Bulls and was winning titles for the Bulls? I mean, he, he didn't get off the bench. He literally just sat on the bench Yeah, uh, with Jordan in, in the 90s. But he played forever. All-time leader in games played uh, by more than 50 over Kareem. Third best player in those historically great Celtics teams. Uh, you know, he was also he was a little bit better than that even on the Warriors uh, before he got traded. Chief. Number 59, Bob Lanier. He, uh, the second half of his career overlapped with the first half of Parrish's career, and, and he was better. This is a guy who you know made uh, two All-NBA first teams, a couple All-NBA second teams as well, uh, put up 20 and 10, kind of forgotten because of all the great centers in the 70s. Also, he spent the entire decade on those Pistons who were terrible, uh, and then he joined the Bucks in the early 80s, those Marquez Johnson Bucks I was talking about, and he was still good enough to put up like 14 and 6 for a team that was going to the conference finals year after year. Mm-hmm. But that by that point, he was you know the third wheel to Marquez Johnson. You know what his nickname Moncrief. is? Bob Lanier? Mm-hmm. No idea. The Dauber. Is that is the Dauber? Dauber, yeah. Oh. Okay. Don't have a lot of opinions about that. Sounds like a like a horror movie character. <laughs> the gobbledygooker. It's, yeah, it's, it's a strange nickname. All right, number 58. This is a guy who's people forget because he disappeared so quickly. Tracy McGrady. 
the T Mac Kobe was legit. That was a legit debate in the early uh, 2000s. T Mac had better numbers than Kobe. Wasn't T Mac pitching for a few weeks like this year? Yeah, last year. Yeah, he was a pitcher last year in minor league baseball in some independent team. But this is a guy like he was stuck on those awful Magic teams while Kobe was, you know, teaming with Shaq and winning titles. But he put up better numbers. And also, we see him as a guy who like disappeared really quickly. Like you know, was pitching in minor league baseball, but he did play 938 games. Yeah, because he played a full season when he was 18 years old. Yeah, because he's yeah exactly he started in high school. He's a guy. He um he made eight All NBA teams. Although I think he only deserved five. But still, his ceiling was very good. Yeah, it's just so crazy that he was totally shot at 32. Yeah, completely done. I mean, he was done. No, let's be fair. He was done at twenty. Not at, at thirty. He was totally yeah. done. He just played until thirty. No, he was. Yeah, he was out. Of, yeah, he was out of the league. I mean, he got traded. He was on the Knicks for six games. Or he never shot. Like you know, he, he shot thirty eight percent in at, at twenty nine, yeah. and that was really the end of his career. Yeah, and again, when we went to Kobe, I give Kobe credit for the fact that he kept going, even though Kobe wasn't good his last couple. Yeah, years, no, that is amazing. Going. Kobe, you know, when yeah. you consider how early he started. Although, I mean, yes, the college season is twice as long as the NBA season, but. There are some miles you don't have by, you know, like you play. It's not like these guys are doing nothing like go straight to high school is one thing. But the guys who play four years in college, like Duncan's been here 20 years at Duncan played four full years in college. Also, like that's even OK, more but amazing. that's 30. That's 30 games a year. Yeah. And half of them are against. Yeah, but the teams, point is, he's you know? losing four years of his legs. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Number 57, Paul Arizon. He was the first non-center superstar. In the league, basically, in the 50s, dominant player is a small forward, put up 23 and 9. Baseball wasn't popular because it was dumb. It was just whoever's tallest and strongest wins every game. Well, but that's why, to be the first great NBA swingman, that's why I get credit, right? It was Kuzi as a guard and Arizon as a... And now there are no good centers. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, there's Carl Anthony Towns. That's about it. All right, number 56, another guy who... Uh, this is a guy, really, who he's on... He's this high because of quantity, like length. He's a compiler more than quality. He mm-hmm. was never great... Made no NBA All First Teams. Made no NBA All Second Teams. Never got a single MVP vote whatsoever. Well, are you? If you're putting Carl Anthony Towns on this team right now, I'm going to be annoyed. <laughs> Reggie Miller. So just like Knicks are overrated, he's overrated because he was a Nick killer, right? But um, again, for his career, he played a really long time. He's he's tenth in games played. He's seventeenth in win shares. He had a ton of epic playoff moments despite no titles. In fact, he only made one Finals, and he has no big moments from that Finals. But he put up eighteen three and three. Decent numbers, but again, he was he was he was never he was never considered one of the best fifteen players in the game, even at his peak. So sorry, Reggie. Number fifty six, not bad. All right, number fifty five, Bob McAdoo. Uh, this is a guy who uh, starred for the Buffalo Braves, which nobody's ever heard of. That's where the Clippers were before they moved uh, to California. He should have won at least one MVP, possibly two. He averaged twenty two and nine for his career. Only eight guys have ever averaged twenty two and nine and played as long as he did. It's Kareem Wilt, Carl Malone, Shaq, Charles Barkley, Dan Issel, Larry Bird, and Bob McAdoo. So forgotten guy, but uh, his son is uh, his son is in the NBA now. Part of the Clippers curse, really. Yeah, James Michael McAdoo. That's true. It's McAdoo. I don't know why you're mispronouncing every name. <sighs> Sorry. All right. So that's McAdoo. McAdoo. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Number fifty-four. Bill Simmons ranks him at number thirty-one, which is absurd. Nobody else has him higher than the forties. That's Dave Cowens. Overrated because he was a Celtic, simply because he was a Celtic. He was the best player on that 76 Celtics team that won the title, but that was literally the weakest year in NBA history because uh, that was the last season of the NBA. They also had John Havlicek on their team. His career numbers are very, very bad. His PR is 17, which is the lowest of anyone in my top 70. No All-NBA first teams. Very short career, only played 11 seasons. So why is he this high? So you're saying I have Dave Cowens too high. I'm surprised you didn't stick to the overall rankings exactly like you did with the movies. Yeah, so I'm looking. I have him at 54. 
Uh, that's reasonable. Um, ESPN has him at 55. Bleacher Report has him at number 59. But uh, Bill Simmons has him at 31, as I said. But yeah, his average ranking is 47. So I'm at 54. I'm just a little bit lower mm-hmm. than uh, Dave Cowens. Our number 53, the fourth best player of the 1950s after Dolph Shays, Paul Arizin, and Bob Cousy, and that's Neil Johnston. He, uh, he sort of t- traded off with Ed McCauley for best center of the decade. He only played eight years, but you know he played in the 50s, and he put up, he put up 19 and 11. The stats love Neil Johnston. Win shares per 48 minutes, he's fifth all time. Yeah, because he put up 19 and 11 in an era where that was really impressive. So, yeah, Neil Johnson, uh, assignment 53. And again, it's hard to put him too much higher because his career was so short. Number 52, this is a guy who really does not get credit, I think. I have him way higher than everybody else. I'm looking, the next highest, anybody has him is 67. Bill Simmons has him at 83. ESPN has him at 69. I'm at 52. That's Vince Carter. He stuck around so long as a role player that people forget how good he was on the Raptors and how good he was those first couple of years on the Nets. When, like, he was basically as good as Paul Pierce. He was Paul Pierce. And he was the most exciting dunker. Well, he was a worse defender and rebounder than Paul Pierce. Yeah, he wasn't a great defender, but Paul Pierce was not a good defender for most of his career. Until Kevin Garnett came along, Paul Pierce was never seen as, as even average defensively. He also played a different uh, position, he, really. Like Vince was generally a two. He started as a small forward yeah. and was a he two the rest of three. his career. Yeah. You know, he spent... 15 years as a, as a shooting guard. Him, Richard Jefferson, Jason Kidd, those net teams were actually pretty decent uh, at the one, two, and the three. Yeah, they had no... <sighs> anyway. They had really had no big men. Their big men were like Jason yeah. Collins. But uh, I think Vince Carter's uh, gotten a little bit uh, short shrift historically. He's going on 18 seasons now, by the way. He's Is he retiring? Going. I don't know. We haven't heard that. Like really just sitting in anonymity on the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, he played a lot the second half of the season when everybody else was dead on their team and they had nobody else. Mm-hmm. Number 51, Alex English. So as I said, the 80s were like the best era for small forwards. Obviously, Larry Bird and Dr. J were the best of the bunch. But then you have Alex English in, with Dominique in the next tier, and they're just above like Dantley and Bernard King and Marcus Johnson, James Worthy, Mark McGuire, etc. He put together a really long career. He played 15 years. He started in the ABA era, and then he played into the 90s. So that's a really long career for Alex English. How much do you know about the 186-184 game? That crazy Nuggets game, mm-hmm. the highest scoring game in NBA history? Yeah. It really has kind of been forgotten to history. Like, I used to have all these sports almanacs and NBA, like, reference books. And so, like, they would have the box score of games like that. But you really yeah. never hear about it. So Alex English in that game had 47 and was not his team leader. <laughs> 47, 12, and 7. He was one of four teammates to have at least seven assists. But Kiki Vanderway uh, had put up a 51, 9, and 8. And Dan Issel had, uh, had 28. By the way... Triple overtime, your team scores 184 and you lose. That was a, that was a tough way to go home. <laughs> and for the Pistons in that game, Isaiah had... Especially a, in that thin air. Isaiah had a 47 and 17. One of my favorite stats is Cliff Levingston felled out in 13 minutes. So he was not around to see, <laughs> to see most of the game. Uh, Kelly really Trapuke so had 35, which was third best on the Pistons. Because John Long had, a 40, had 41 and 8. And uh, wow. Lambeer had uh, put up 17 and 12. Lambeer basically just put up an average game for him. <laughs> he probably put up 17 to 12 through four quarters. He's like, I'm not playing anymore. I'm done. Um, all right. So number 50 on my list it may not be retired, actually, according to the latest rumors. And that's Ray Allen. By the way, you know how many threes were hit in that game? Seven. <laughs> Each team shot one for two from three. <laughs> it's crazy. Like, what were they thinking? The line was there. Why? What were they doing? It's really impossible to understand why people did not shoot threes for the first 15 years of its existence. It's like if the NFL like passing was legal, just nobody wanted to do it. It would be like if the NFL gave you four downs on offense, but the overwhelming majority of teams chose to play for only three downs and then to punt the ball away. 
One day we'll look back at that and be flabbergasted at how stupid teams were. <laughs> back then. Well, so John Long, I had never heard of him. That guy who scored a lot of points. He played nineteen. He played nineteen ninety one. Took five years off, and then five full seasons he skipped, and then in ninety seven played some time for the Raptors at age forty. Well, because well, because I think he was playing in um he was playing in some other country. Okay. Um. All right. So number fifty is Ray Allen. Best shooter ever till Steph Curry came along. Like the Reggie versus Ray debate was, you know, popular during his years on the Celtics. But I think we can all agree now that, that Ray Allen won. Reggie maybe is a better pure shooter, but Ray was definitely better all around player. Higher points, rebounds, assists, efficiency, PR, more All Stars. He made an All NBA second team season, which Reggie never did. He won those two titles with the Celtics and then with the Heat. He had some legendary moments in the playoffs. So Ray Allen definitely better than Reggie Miller. You agree? Yeah, everyone on earth except for Reggie Miller. Even Cheryl Miller thinks that Ray Allen is better than Reggie Miller. And what do you think of him coming back? to join either the Warriors or the Cavs. He was done but already by the second. People, these guys forget that they were finished. Yeah. You know, like McGrady's going to It's not going to end well for him. No. He'll come back, play like 15 games, and then whatever, he'll retire. All right, number 49, Hal Greer. He took over for Paul Arizon as the league's best small forward and ran with it, Te- teamed up with Wilt on that dominant Philly team. So that Philly team won 68 games, which was an NBA record until the Lakers broke it the next year. Um, that was Wilt's first title. His career was also really long for a swingman in that era. He played 15 mm-hmm. seasons. Really, really long career. So... Hal Greer, very impressive. Now we're number 48, a guy who is severely overrated. He is, well, actually, Sports Illustrated him as at 49, but everybody else has him in the top 40. Kevin McHale. Yeah. I mean, What's your take on Kevin McHale? Where, where does he show up on your list? I, I mean, I think that's about right for McHale. You know, people, some people really think, like, where do you, the fact that there haven't been a lot of great power forwards historically like, do you, does he, you know, the fact that he's like one of the two or three or four best power forwards of all time? No, like, he's not. He's, no, he's not. He's not even in the top 10. There's a ton of great power forwards. A lot of and people I, consider him like the second or third best power forward. That's the problem. So here's the thing. First of all, he's from Minnesota. I'm predisposed to like him, but he's insanely overrated. He, when he gets mentioned on those greatest power forward lists, that's insane. He has the greatest skills of all. He, I understand that. His skills, his post moves, when, if you rank power forwards on all time skills, he's top three. You know who's also top three? Derek Coleman and Chris Webber. This list isn't about skills or potential. It's about performance. He had great low post moves. What did he do with them? You know what he did with them? He had one season in his entire career where he was on an all-NBA team. One. He was never the best player on his team. He had 17 and 7. He didn't have a long career. So it's not like, oh, well, he had a, you know, a, a long downturn that sort of lowered his numbers. You know, like guys like KG or, or Duncan. He's very overrated. I'm sorry. He had great post, you low post moves. You have to apologize to me. He didn't really, he didn't really apply them. Look, yeah, he's You're a Minnesota guy. I love Kevin him, but... Super overrated. All right. Number 47, another overrated guy. The color of his skin probably uh, helped him in that regard. That's uh, Steve Nash. Are you saying that we're, we're likely to overrate Canadians? I don't understand what you're saying. Exactly. For sure. The fact that he won those two MVPs is absurd. Uh, he stole the first one from Shaq. He stole the second one from Dirk Nowitzki. Because he played a little bit before the stats era, people didn't realize how truly atrocious he was defensively. He was elite offensively, no question. You know, top five offensive point guard of all time. Mm-hmm. But he was so bad defensively. And by the way, he also benefited. He always had, like, great big men on his team. Like, he played in Dallas with Dirk. And then he played with Amari and Sean Marion in Phoenix. And that's where you're going to say, oh, well, you know, he made Amari and Sean Marion. Uh, look at Amari and Sean Marion's numbers when Stefan Mario was point guard in Phoenix and when Jason Kidd was point guard in Phoenix. They had the identical numbers as when Steve Nash showed up. So uh, Nash, his, his MVP awards were jokes. 2005 was a very weak MVP year, but there was nobody who really deserved it, so they gave it to Nash. Well, Duncan deserved it. Uh, in 2005? No. In, in 2005, Simmons and I both have Nash sixth on our ballot. I would have given it to Shaq, who finished a very close second to Nash. Shaq did not have a great year, but he that was the year that he went from L.A. to Miami and single-handedly like, flipped the power of those two teams in the two conferences. The next year, I don't understand how Nash won it. I have him at ninth that year. 
Um, that year, Dirk Nowitzki's Mavs won six more games than Phoenix. They had a much weaker overall roster. Dirk put up 27-9. and His PER and his win shares were both five more than Steve Nash, and yet Steve Nash won the MVP over him. What about Timmy? So is that just like an anti? Is that an anti-Germany bias or what? What about Timmy? No, Timmy was good, but he, th- th- well, this is and we'll get to Duncan year by year when we get to uh, Garnett and Duncan in that debate. But um, this is when Duncan was sort of a little bit on the downside in 0506. Uh, it's absurd. It's still the best. He was the best defensive player in the NBA. Uh, no, he had exactly. seven defensive win shares in 06. Okay, great. Uh, how many defensive player of the year awards did he win? Well, they how had idiots like you defense? voting for it. He should have won many. All right. He should have. He okay. could have won right, this year. It would have been fine. <laughs> Could have been fun. That, that would have been like uh, Rafael Palmeiro winning a, uh, a gold glove when he played when he DH'd. Our right, number forty six, Paul Pierce, another guy who's uh, still sticking around the end of a bench. He barely played for the Clippers this year. He was never a top ten player at any point in his career. He's the highest player on my list who would never got an All NBA first team. He never got a single MVP vote. Uh, he well, he did get like one MVP vote one year, but but he didn't deserve any anyways. But he had a long career as a top twenty player. So he wasn't a top ten player, but he was a top twenty player. He's played thirteen hundred games and he put up twenty six and four. So, well, you know, and he, he won that title as a KG sidekick in 2008. And they would have won another one of KG and KG in 2009. So congratulations, Paul Pierce. And they almost won in 2010, although by then Rondo was the best player on that team. Uh, number 45. This is the only guy on those early 70s Knicks teams who's not overrated. Although apparently he is. Well, Because I'm looking at, yeah, I'm looking at everybody else's list. Everybody else has him in the 30s, even in the high 20s. Uh, so you so get mad at me overrated. for introducing my movie for 30 seconds before you do it. But then you give the guys complete career statistics before you mention what yeah, the players. Yeah, because somebody mentioned on Twitter that they like when you do it that way. So one person can flip your mind around. You're yeah. adamant. All right, fine. Okay, so Walt Frazier, he was great on both ends of the court, offensively, defensively. But the reason you can't have him in the 30s, I'm sorry, is first of all, his career is pretty short. He only played 800 games. And he was never an MVP candidate. Like, his ceiling isn't high enough to justify those rankings. He was one of the better point guards in the league, for sure. But he was never one of the best players in the league. He wasn't a top 10 guy. Although I will say, in his game seven in, 19, in the 1970 finals for the Knicks was better than Worthy's in 88. He put up 36 points and 19 assists in a walk-off. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, if somebody, if somebody did that today, Twitter explodes. You're like, I mean, what LeBron did was otherworldly. But um, what, what Walt Clyde Frazier did in that, in that um, final game of the 1970 NBA finals is even better. Mm-hmm. And again, all anybody, does anybody remember 36-9? and nine? No. <laughs> Because they remember the fact that somebody came off the bench and or, or started and scored six points and then went and sat on the bench for the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. So He actually played. He just didn't score the rest of the game, Reed. Who? Reed. Oh, I, th- I thought he just played the first two minutes. No, I think he played down. like 20 minutes. He just never scored again. Oh, okay. Well, they didn't need him because Frazier was putting up 36 and 19. His so. aura was enough. Number 44, Jason Kidd. So there's going to be a debate, Gary Payne versus Jason Kidd versus Steve Nash. Here's why I have Jason Kidd higher than Steve Nash. Nash was a zero defensively. Kidd was the best defensive point guard in the league for almost his entire career. Like, literally for over a decade, he was the best defensive point guard in the league. Yeah, he was a bad shooter, no question. He was such a great passer that he was still an elite offensive player. He's second all-time in steals and assists. He played forever. He's ninth all-time in games. He's Now, let's talk about his rebounding for a second. So everybody knows that Jason Kidd's a good rebounder, right? Yes. Can I just tell you how incredible his rebounding numbers are? Please don't. Among, play, among players who are 6'4 or shorter, mm-hmm. he had 8,725 rebounds. Next highest is Jerry West, who had 5,300, who had 3,000 fewer rebounds. His 6.3 rebounds per game will never be topped. There's no other point guard who's had more than six rebounds in a game per game. Russell Westbrook is at 5.6, is the highest among active guys. But, you know, the 5.6 is only going to go down, obviously, as he uh, ages. So Jason Kidd, so good in every facet of the game except shooting. And so uh, Steve Nash was a better shooter, and, but uh, Jason Kidd was a better all-around player. 
And then at 43, I have Gary Payne. Gary Payne is basically the best combo of Kidd and Nash. He was a legit MVP candidate as Apex. He was an elite defensive player. He has nine all-defensive first teams. Uh, only three other players in history have done that. Michael Jordan, Kevin Garnett, and Kobe Bryant. No Tim Duncan, of course. And Gary Payton. So he went toe-to-toe with Peak Jordan in those 96 finals. He was much more of a volume scorer than Kidder Nash. You know, this guy was putting up 23, 4 points a game, which Kidder Nash never got close to. He also played forever. He stuck around and got that ridiculous title in 2006 for the Heat, which he had nothing to do with. So I have Gary Payton ahead of Jason Kidd and Steve Nash. What's your opinion on that? I think I go Kidd Nash Payton historically. I think you're forgetting. See, Peyton was also a little bit older. He was better in the 90s. You're just remembering the 2000s. No, I was a fan in the 90s. I'm not like you who started following the NBA five years so ago. That, like I, Gary Payton's ceiling was higher than either of those other guys. Yeah, but his, his, it wasn't his uh, apex shorter than the other guys? No, that's what I'm saying. He, he, he made 10 All-Stars. Kid made nine. He made five All-NBA first teams. Where, uh, Kid made one, and Nash made two. He had those nine All-Defensive first teams. That's not, I, th- I think Gary Payne has gotten sort of forgotten for some reason. So yeah. I feel bad for him. I, the, real, yeah. the Lakers really needed to win that title in 04. That really would have changed his legacy, him and Malone. <laughs> I'm serious, him and Malone, yeah. that would have been everything. No, no, no. Malone was still good that year. Gary Payne was, was not doing much that season. And the, I mean, he was doing more than he did two years later. But he, like, even, like when Kidd won the title in Dallas, Kidd was still like the third best player on that team. Gary Payne was, was not an was not integral part of that Lakers team in 2004. Mm-hmm. All right, number 42, Dan Issel. So the only guys who were did not make the All NBA fifty at fifty list who like were eligible like in terms of they had played at that point in their career who should have made it are him and Artis Gilmore, who uh, played together for Kentucky in the ABA. I understand his best years were in the ABA and he was like an offense only guy, but I mean Dirk Nowitzki is also an offense only guy, and we don't the only guys in history to put up twenty two and nine in twelve hundred games are Kareem, Shaq, Karl Malone, and Dan Issel. Mm-hmm. So Dan Issel to me is just a ridiculously ridiculously underrated guy. He actually only he only made one All Star once he actually came to the NBA, which is unfair. He should have made about five. Part of the problem is he's playing in Denver, where nobody cared. To me, Dan is still a very underrated player. I have him at forty two, and I'm looking at most of these other lists. Yeah, uh, Bill Simmons has him at seventy seven. Slam has him at one hundred and six, and no one else even ranks him. So Dan is underrated. I feel for you. Mm-hmm. And then number forty one. Uh, let's flip a switch. This is a guy who's very overrated. Slam Magazine have a number nineteen, which is batshit crazy, and the overall average from is twenty seven. Way too high. Isaiah Thomas. Wow, hating on Isaiah. You can't put him in the top 30. Here's the thing. First of all, like Iverson, advanced stats are extremely unfriendly towards him. He was very, very low efficiency. He was a terrible shooter. He has a career PR of 18. There's only two people in my my top 50 who have a lower PR than Isaiah. The Pistons won two titles, but again, as I said, uh, when talking about Joe Dumars, that was like the old four Pistons. That was a team effort. The absolute, absolute best Isaiah Thomas ever had was in the 1990 playoffs. Can I give you his numbers in the playoffs in 1990? Yeah, please do. 25 and 8. Over 20 games. Really, really good, right? Yeah, that's good. You know Michael, you know Michael Jordan averaged in those same playoffs? 37, uh, 7, and 7. That's better. <laughs> he only played 16 games. He lost to Isaiah in the conference finals. But to me, Michael Jordan gets the playoff MVP that year uh, over Isaiah. Isaiah never came close to winning any kind of MVP award. And to be a top 30, and you'll see, my cutoff is 31. My top 31 are guys who basically were an MVP candidate every single year of their career in their prime. Mm-hmm. And Isaiah wasn't. Isaiah was an MVP contender once in his career. He was in the top seven once. That was in nineteen eighty four when he finished fifth. Really? So for a guy to be have to be for a guy to finish in the top seven MVP voting once in his entire career, I'm sorry. That's not an that's not a top thirty player. So he also gets a little bit overrated because there weren't as many great point guards. So he is like, you know, the fifth or sixth best point guard of all time. But, you know, that's because there's not as many good point guards as there are other positions. So and that's a shooting guard it's even a bigger problem. 
Yeah, we'll get to shooting guard. The shooting guard is a really weak position. Guards in general are weaker than a big man. All right, number uh, 40, Dominique Wilkins. We remember mostly as just a scorer and a dunker. I mean, even if that's all he was, he was amazing at those things. Uh, yeah, he was the human highlight film. Yeah. The fact he should have been on the 50 of 50 team also. He was mid-career, but he sort of got screwed, I think, that he wasn't on that team. Yeah, I agree. He also, why wasn't he not on the dream team? Isaiah wasn't because everybody hate because Jordan hated him. But what's uh, Dominique's reason? It's a good question. All right, so that's my 100 to 40, the 60 of the 100 greatest NBA players of all time. If you haven't heard your guy's name yet, it's probably still coming. Well, let, let's say your guy is like, you know, on the Knicks this year, and he's not Carmella. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's definitely somebody out there who's expecting their guy and thinks that he's still to come, and they're going to be sorely disappointed. Like who would that be? Who, who's the guy who, like, we didn't mention who, who someone could even possibly think? Well, somebody I, I didn't even mention in my honorable mentions. So then, I don't know, it would be like Sean Kemp or something? Oh, yeah, that's true. I think at a certain point, you have to give up on Kemp. Yeah. Uh, you're like, oh, wow, does, does Chester have him at 40? Like, I don't know, who, who, who else could it be? Uh, Yao Ming, Vlade Divac. Where do you have Yao? I have Yao one spot behind uh, Bill Walton. Okay. I feel like the whole Yao era was over in two seconds. Like, we really yeah. didn't appreciate how insane Yao was. He wasn't that insane. I'm sorry. He, no, just like as a specimen, like not that he was the best player in the oh. NBA, just that he was so unique. I've told you my mom's Yao Ming story, haven't I? Uh, let me guess. She went to China and he was the first person that she saw. That's like one of the Chester stuff. No, no, she was, she's in downtown Minneapolis one day, and I guess the Rockets were in town to play the Timberwolves. So my mother calls me and she says, I was just at a medical conference in, at some hotel in Minneapolis, and I saw, I saw a depressed looking giant Mexican man who looked very, very sad. <laughs> That's what my mother said. A depressed giant Mexican man. Oh, okay. So I get where your you know your sort of attitude towards minorities comes from. I get it. <laughs> so I said to my mother, I said, first of all, he's Chinese, not Mexican. Second of all, he's not very sad. He's probably pretty happy. Although maybe he was sad. Maybe he knew that his career was coming to a close and that he was very injured. How do you know he was happy if your mom said she was he was sad? Well, I, so I right after she said that, I went to look at pictures of him to see if it was possible to look at him and think that he could be Latino. I really don't see it. I don't know. But, um, yeah, my, mo- my mother doesn't see race, and when she does, she uh, sees it incorrectly, apparently. Uh, I got no comment. Yeah, is there, is there any chance that, that Yamin could pass off as Latino? I, I don't even want to get into it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Akiva. That brings us to number 39, Dwayne Wade, who on his podcast today, Bill Simmons said that Dwayne Wade is a top 25 player of all time. A lot of metrics have his finals the uh, you know the pre-lebron finals as the greatest finals performance of all time oh he was fantastic in the 2006 finals the refs had something to do with it obviously but he was very good in that finals but again this award is for an entire career not seven not six games i don't know it's hard it's hard for me to go with uh with simmons there what number did he have him at Uh, a few months ago he said he was between 23 and 27 on today's podcast he said he was at 25 you really do you like write down every time he gives a number no, I just remember. Here's the thing. Okay. As I said, That's the scary. people in my top 31 are all guys who were perennial MVP candidates, first-team NBA-type guys, year after year after year. Dwayne mm-hmm. Wade made two all-NBA first teams. Two. It's not great. All right? And his peak was too short. He's only played 850 games. He's on the downside of his career. He's like a borderline all-star right now. He's probably about the 35th or 40th best player in the league right now. He won the 06 playoffs MVP, which would have went to Dirk if the refs didn't get very silly. But he's just—he's a step down from the all-timers in the top thirty. You know how, how can you have a guy with two All-NBA first teams at number twenty-five? That's crazy. I mean, he's had twelve 
all-star caliber years now. No, he's had nine actually. He's he's been he's been named to twelve all-star teams, but again, well, which which years? Well, let's go over this. Which years? Because now we're getting to the good players. We we could spend more time talking about them. Which years were not all-star caliber? And we could go over them for a second. Let me open up my should have been all-star for every single year. Oh boy. Oh, so you're not knocking. You're just saying he wasn't in the top 12. So he might have been better in one year than the other. I have Dwayne Wade as an all-star in 05, 06, 07, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, and 14. He wasn't an all-star this past year, in my opinion. I mean, I, I can hear. By, by the way, you know, historically, people will forget one of the worst three-point shooters of guys who shoot three-pointers. Yeah, he's not a, which is one of the reasons he's not going to age well. Oh, by the way, I'll say this. To be fair, I only have Dwayne Wade with nine all-stars as opposed to the 12 he's actually got. To be fair, he's only been a first-team All-NBA player twice, but I would actually give him five, which would make him look a lot better. And the reason I give him five is because I really heavily factor team performance. So all those years with the, you know, with the LeBron, Wade, Bosh, Heat, I pretty much had LeBron and Wade on the first team, Bosh on the second team. Cause, you know, the I team. mean, you factor in that he shouldn't be shooting threes, and maybe he just shoots threes once in a while to keep teams honest because the last five years he's really stopped shooting threes you know, more than once a game. Uh, but you have a, a, a shooting guard who shoots almost 50% for his career. Yep. And if you take out threes, he's over a 50% shooter. So incre- an incredibly efficient player. Let's compare apples to apples. His true shooting percentage is 562. Okay. Let's mm-hmm. compare him to the shooting guards I have above him on this list. George okay. Gervin is at 564. What about Clyde Drexler? Drexler's at 547. So they're okay. pretty close. Mm-hmm. Um, Iverson is much lower, of course. Kobe's at 550 and Michael Jordan's at 569. So they're all about the same. <sighs> I just think for for one game, are you taking are you taking Dwayne Wade or Clyde Drexler? So all right, so Clyde Drexler is the next guy on my list at thirty eight. Okay, so, so we'll talk about, about that for both a second. Them. For one game, I take Dwayne Wade over Clyde Drexler, no question. No question. Nobody the, is arguing. But the difference is again that Wade has played eight hundred and fifty games. Drexler played almost eleven hundred. So when Wade plays another two hundred forty games, when he plays another four seasons, he'll move well, he's up. He's getting this paid list. to be you know super elite still. Yeah. You know, Drexler, we forget about now because he ran into the Jordan buzzsaw, but Drexler was the second best shooting guard in the game for basically most of his career. What about defense? Who do you have rated ahead on defense? Wade's a little bit of a better defender, I think. Yeah, Wade's uh, a good defender. Very yeah. underrated defender. Yeah. I, again, I think Wade is better and, than Drexler. And better rebounder, right? Than, than Drexler? No. Drexler averaged over six rebounds a game for his career. Oh, okay. So Drexler, great rebounder for a shooting guard. Yeah. Drexler averaged 6.1 rebounds, 5.6 assists. Okay. And those numbers so are both slightly better than, than Wade. No, well, yeah. Wade averaged 5.8. 5.8. But yeah, but he, that's going to go down in the next couple of years. Unless well, they play him as a point guard. Who knows what Chicago's going to do? Yeah, I mean, that's weird. They got that's Rondo, they got Butler, team. yeah. What, does he know like they're not winning anything there? It's kind of weird. Yeah, I understand why he left Miami. The part I don't understand is why he goes to Chicago. I would well, assume he's from Chicago. The only Chicago. other teams that wanted him were Denver and the Knicks. So Chicago's better than those two I teams. I suppose, but... I think Wade is a better player than Drexler, but Drexler's career was longer. So in a couple of years, Wade will move up. The guy I have right above both of them at number 37 is Allen Iverson. So Iverson's a very tough guy to rank. Yeah, obviously. There's no real parallel for Iverson. Yeah. He's like a modern Maravich kind of in like usage and, and things like that, but obviously a much, much different game. Yeah, I mean, in his peak, he was seen as a top five guy. He even won that MVP in 2001. But advanced stats are very, very unfriendly to him. He was inefficient. He was... He was like a very he was bad defensively. He would gamble a lot for steals. I mean, he brought a team to the finals that had one other decent player on it. Yeah, but but that was the era when teams were winning forty seven games and they were the one seed in the East because the East was such a joke. You know, those Nets teams went to the finals two you know the year before two consecutive years. But like we say, the Nets team had like a historically great point guard also, and had two other very good players. But also, if we're going to judge sort of Evan Horn was competent. Let's be honest. 
Iverson was lazy and he was a bad team leader. Like, I feel bad for him. His off-court troubles, his career ended way too soon. But, like, he had really poor off-court habits. He was eating junk food and, and drinking a ton. Yeah, he could have been so much better. Like, as crazy it is to say. Uh, now, that having been said, look, he put up 27-4-6 and six for his career. Those numbers are crazy. Yeah, no, he's amazing. And also, yeah. like, tiny guys, one thing that we've sort of learned in the last few years, like, tiny guys' careers just end. Like, the, the yeah. small guards, like, as, as a Spurs fan, I'm very nervous about Tony Parker. Because he's really short. There's no, historically, there's no well, under 6'3". Well, John Stockton, three. he was 6'2", but. Yeah, it's true. But, all, but, I mean, Stockton's game is so Andre Miller is still playing. Not well. Well. <laughs> he's he almost cut. Um, just, there's no, there's no all-star caliber tiny guards in their late 30s. It doesn't happen. And, and Wade is a little taller. Wade is 6'4". Yeah, Wade's so like 6'4". And Drexel's his, like 6'6". The yeah. thing is that he is, and he may still have another year before this happens, but like, the end of his career is going to look like Jordan's, where he can't hit threes or dunk anymore. So he's just going to have to reinvent himself, which I definitely think he can do. Well, or uh, to look like Kobe's. He'll just jack up a bunch of shots and be bad. I mean, if the polls are a little worse than we think, that will happen. But maybe not this year. That might not happen until Well, nothing year. will go to the extreme of Kobe because Kobe had that whole Lakers franchise, you know, empowering him to, to destroy them. But yeah. here's the thing. The reason that I have Iverson one spot ahead of Drexler and Wade is because he had so much more on his shoulders. As you said, he had to, he had to like, single-handedly lead those teams. And so I give him a little more credit than Drexler and Wade, who had much more. You know, Drexler had Terry Porter on his team, who's one of the more underrated players ever. Well, and then Hakeem. Yeah, but, but by the time he was on Houston, he, he, I mean, Drexler's peak was in Portland. And then Wade obviously had Shaq the first time, and then he had LeBron and Bosch the second time. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so that's where I have those three shooting guards. And um, the only shooting guards I have above them are uh, George Gervin, who I mentioned already. We'll get to him. And then, obviously, Jordan and Kobe. We'll get to them. But uh, at number 36... I have Scottie Pippen, the uh, greatest second banana of all time. What's your take on Pippen? Because people are of two very different opinions of him. And it's just we don't know because we don't know what he would have been like without Jordan for most of his career. But I would argue, first of all, this is what we do know for sure. He was one of the best defensive swingmen of all time. Mm-hmm. He was a winner. Even those two years without Jordan, they won 50 Yeah, I think games. so. Ultimately, let's talk about those two years because that's incredibly important. Okay. So Jordan goes away in 94 and 95. And Pippen's numbers in 94 and 95 are pretty great. Yeah, 94, he averages 22 points, 8.7 rebounds, 5.6 assists, three steals, and a block a game. Yeah. Amazing numbers. And his team, and his team still wins 50-plus games, taking away yeah. the best player in the they world. Were a, they weren't a championship contender, but they were a second-tier team in a pretty decent East. It was before the East got really bad. So you had, you had uh, Shaq in, in uh, Orlando then. The Knicks, you had, obviously. You had the Knicks and you had the Reggie Miller Pacers. And they were one of the top four teams in the East yeah. without Michael Jordan. So he really did prove it. And when he joined Houston and Portland at the end of his career, he also elevated those teams. And that's when he was deep into his 30s. Yes, he was a, because he, there's you know, eight or nine things that he's good at. So he, you know, passing and defense and rebounding, he was really incredibly useful late in his career, like a great late career player. Yeah, he could score four points in a game and still be... People forget that he went back to Chicago at the end. I don't think yeah. anyone remembers that. Well, because they were terrible. Yeah, but it's just weird that he like had like one last... Like Jordan never well, had Well, it's that. like Garnett back in Minnesota. You know, yeah, retired. You, th- you think historically people will forget that in 10 years? Well, I think people will forget that he was on the Nets, for sure. You know, does anybody remember that Hakeem was on the Raptors or that Ewing was on, like, Seattle and Orlando? Yeah, I think people do kind of know that way more than they know that Pippen returned to the Bulls, which I don't think anyone remembers. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I, 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 the thing is that Garnett might be in the playoffs this year with the Wolves, so people that at a certain point 
it could become relevant again. <laughs> We're making a lot of assumptions here. A, that he's coming what? back. B, that they're making the playoffs. I hope you're oh, right. Oh, I thought he's officially coming back. Yeah, I didn't know that he's They, ha- they haven't signed him yet, no. There's talk that him and Tibbs... I would t- you think he would go to the Spurs? Now I- I've changed my mind. I would take him. <laughs> there's talk- after, after we lost Boban today, all yeah. bets are off. <laughs> there's, talk, there's talk that him and Tibbs had like a falling out in Boston. And that he was not, he was not excited about uh, Tibbs coming to Minnesota. And look, I love KG. He's my favorite player of all time. But you know what? At this point, Tibbs is the future of this franchise more than you yeah. are. So. No, I agree. You have to. You, have to, yeah, you, know, obviously. you can't placate your eighth exactly. player. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So number 35 on my list, another active guy, a guy who really takes a lot of hate. The best center we've had since Shaq, Dwight Howard. It shocks you that he's this high, right? It's a little shocking. I, I would not have. I would have thought he was in the 60s. When Howard's your best player, you can't win a championship, which is why for sure he can't be in that 31, that first tier. Well, yeah. So, okay. So let me let me tell you on. First of all, his career numbers match up favorably with the top centers from every other era. His career is not over yet, but so far for his career, he's averaged eighteen to thirteen. Only nine guys have ever done that, and the last one before Dwight Howard is Moses Malone, who retired twenty years ago. So he's he's really the only guy in the last twenty years to put up the numbers he's put up. He's an all-time defensive player. He won Defensive Player of the Year three times. The only person to do that was Dikembe Mutombo, and he was way but better. But in than an the- era that there weren't a lot of great competitors for that award. I mean, I disagree. Tim Duncan and, and, and Kevin Garnett are two of the top 10 they, defenders of all time. For whatever reason, I, they just weren't getting those extra, you know, they I weren't mean, getting. Garnett like, won in, Defensive Player of the Year. And Garnett. What, Gar- what year? In 2008. Yeah, I think by about 10, 11, 12, when he's still on the Magic, it was really like just him. He's all, by the way, this was the second year of his career that he's given more value on offense than defense. Howard, yeah. Well, I mean, he had a terrible year, which I really blame James Harden for. Look, everybody hates him. You said, oh, you can't win a title with him. In 2009... With him as your best player. Well, yeah. When he dragged that team to the finals 2009, they passed, like, historically great teams in Cleveland and Boston. Now, again, Boston, Garnett was out. So, you know, the Celtics missing the best player, different team in the postseason. But still, they beat Cleveland with LeBron when they were winning 60-plus games. You know, But that that was a one-man team. Like, there was literally nobody on that team besides LeBron. I mean, Dwight Howard's team was a one-man team. Who was his second-best player? Like, I mean, even Jameer, Jameer Nelson, Nelson was much better than anybody on LeBron's no, Mo, team. No, Mo, Mo Williams was better than Jameer Nelson at that time. I don't, was Mo Williams even on that team? Yeah, he was an all-star. He was on that, he was on that year's uh, Cavs? I think so. Should I check the 2009 Cavs? Are you checking? No, it's, it's, it's uh, not super relevant. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I have Dwight Howard number 35. Look, it shocks people like, that Dwight Howard's ahead of Dwayne Wade, but look at their numbers. They both played almost the exact same length career. Mm-hmm. Howard's played 35 more games than Wade, so almost the exact same amount of time. They And their win shares, by the way, Howard is 113.2, Wade is 113.8. So they have identical number of win shares, but the difference to me is that Howard was the best defensive player in the game for a big chunk of his career. Yeah, his playoff, his playoff numbers are, are you know pretty similar when you add in a couple minutes per game, 19 and 14, yeah. with two and a half blocks. Now, we'll see what he does the next couple of years. His career could be totally over. He's only Listen, he's only been out of the first round four times in his whole career. It's yeah. not great. It's really and, not good. You know, who, what other star has he ever played with other than, other than Harden in the last couple of years in Houston? No, I mean, listen, he, they were, it was a wasteland on that Orlando teams. Yeah. All right, okay, so now we get to number 34, Elvin Hayes. He's kind of forgotten when we discuss the all-time greats, especially at power forward, but this is a guy who played over 1,300 games and put up 21 and 12, which nobody else in league history has ever done. Nobody's put up 21 and 12 in that many games. In fact, if we drop it to 20 and 10, the only guys that ever do it are Kareem, Carl Malone, Moses Malone, and Elvin Hayes. And he was also a good defensive player. He made two all-defense teams. So the, here's the weird part about Alvin Hayes, and this is why I have him down to 34, which just for, for reference, the other lists I've seen have him all over the place. Bill Simmons has him at 49. 
Uh, Sports Illustrated is at 19, so you can really see him anywhere. Here's the thing. The advanced stats really don't like Alvin Hayes. I don't know why. His PER is 17.7, which is the second lowest of anyone in my top 50. And other than that one bullet season when they won the title, he never really won, which is why I have him at 34. And as I said, the average of all rankings is 33, so I have him just around there. But people are all over the place on Alvin Hayes. What's your take on Elvin Hayes? You know, I don't have a strong Elvin Hayes take. Uh, You know, when we go back to the names thing, I feel like he could have done better than Elvin, to be fair. (laughs) (laughs) Like, he needed a good nickname. I feel like there were a lot more Elvins in the 70s than there are. Oh, no doubt. But, I, I, you know, historically, like, we're not going to care about Elvins, I don't think. Like, if you ask somebody who knew nothing about basketball, Elvin Hayes, what decade did he play in? I think they would guess, just based on the name, I think they would guess the 60s or the 70s. That's my Yeah, I mean, obviously, they're not going to guess, you know. (laughs) All right, uh, number 33, a player, we just talked about Dwayne Wade in the news, 33, a player really in the news even more, and that's uh, Kevin Durant. Yeah, I mean, it's so silly to rank these players. Like, well, let's, let's talk about it this way. What's Durant's realistic best-case scenario for where he ranks on this list when he retires, and how did this week's events affect that? In the teens. Like, if he is the co-best player of the team that wins five of the next six championships, <laughs> which is yeah. what? Well, I mean, it's, it's very no, realistic. Yeah, no, for sure. You're right. I, I, when I said that, I, I, I went from five to from four to five to five to six to give a more reasonable possibility yeah. that someone could beat them. Because I'm so not sure so how that happened. Kevin Durant and Steph Curry are the exact same age, right? I have Durant at yeah. 33 and I have Curry at 63. So here's the difference. Even though they're the same age, Kevin Durant has been a superstar. Like he, he was considered the second best player in the league after LeBron five years ago. Yes. In, before last year's injury, he had been first or second for the MVP voting three years in a row. Yeah, what scares me in terms of his apex is the injury stuff. God, doesn't he have like pins in his in his legs? Like, let me ask you a question. What's my preferred nickname for Durant has always been the Slim Reaper. What, what say you? He doesn't like that though. He yeah. hasn't really caught on. It's yeah, a great yeah. name. I, I don't know why he doesn't embrace it. Yeah, I just call him now the guy who ruined the NBA for the next seven years. Yeah, honestly, he did nothing wrong. If I was him, I might have made the same decision. No, no, I, I don't blame him. Uh, there's no hot takes. But you're right. He's ruined it's the NBA. It's sad. It's sad. Yeah. Yeah, so he's 33. Every year he'll move up two or three spots. So he'll be in the low 20s within a couple of years, uh, assuming he you know maintains his current pace. And yeah, mm-hmm. he'll, he'll, he'll end up top 20 for sure, unless disaster strikes. And uh, talking about a guy with a great nickname, and a spur, number 32, the Iceman. Yeah, I mean, Gervin, people sort of forget about him historically. Oh, completely. When people talk about greatest you know, shooting guard, when people talk about Kobe and Wade, he's completely disrespected. This guy played over 1,000 games and averaged 25 points a game. You know, the Spurs, I, I think had he, had they, I believe they lost, uh, they blew a 3-1 to one lead in the Western Conference Finals, so he never made, never played in the Finals. The Spurs were a totally irrelevant franchise. For, yeah, he, he, he didn't win in the ABA either, by the no, way. No, didn't win yeah. in the ABA. The Spurs are a totally irrelevant franchise when he retires for another four years. But, you know, in his prime, 23, 21, 23, 27, 29, 33, 27, 32, 26, 25, 21, 16. Yeah. You know, he was just a scoring machine. Exactly. All right, so that, that brings us to number 31, and that's really my cutoff. From thir- the top 31 are all guys who are basically perennial MVP caliber guys. So we can stop here if you want. I feel like this is fine. I, this, is good, we, we, this is good. You know, I'm getting into it now. Let's get into the more interesting players, but I feel like let's, let's stop. Uh, this is going too long. Yeah, all right. So next week we're going to go into that top 31, which still includes uh, five active players, possibly four, depending on if uh, Tim Duncan has any news for us in the next week. But uh, Akiva, are you excited for the top 31 to come? Yeah, I am. I'm, I'm excited to see who's number one. I don't know the list. I don't have a copy of Yeah, your We haven't list. had our uh, Garnett-Duncan arguments yet. You haven't had too many uh, trollish uh, We're not going to have a Garnett-Duncan argument. There's nothing well, to argue. You, you promised at the top of the podcast that, that you were well, going to have a lot of trolls. If you put Garnett ahead of Duncan, we're going to have an argument over whether we continue the podcast or not. <laughs> but 
if you you know if you want to compare them and say like Gar- you know Duncan is eight and Garnett is nine, at the end of the day, I'll be okay with that, even though it's wrong. All right, uh, I will give you a um, no. Don't no spoilers. No I know spoilers? you love spoilers. I know okay. you signed up for that app <laughs> that texts people spoilers to Game of Thrones, Walking Dead. Oh, I'm pro Hamilton. I'm a self spoiler. Before I go see something or watch something, I, I like read about it on Wikipedia, which is pretty. Well, dumb. let me ask you a question. Yeah. So you don't watch Survivor, but a lot of our listeners do. Yeah, and I am very careful to avoid spoilers because the way Survivor's filled twice in the summer. And then it's aired in September, one season, and then the next season is aired in February. And so the players know who won, or, or they, know, they essentially know who won. They, you know, generally, they know who won. Uh, it, the, the results of the final vote aren't revealed, but they could talk amongst themselves. And you know, if it's 7 nothing, it's pretty obvious. It's, you know, sometimes they might think one or the other, but generally they know who won. Anyway, the point is, sometimes that leaks. I think usually it doesn't, but sometimes it does. If you watch the show, would you go... Like, all right, it's first episode. It's great. Would you go online and Google and try and find out no. who won the season? No, I'm not, I'm not making effort. Like, I don't try and spoil things like that. I just want to know what's going on. So, for example, when I watched the first two seasons of Game of Thrones, which I was, you know, binging after the fact, I'd have the Wikipedia description of each episode open so that I could know what the hell was going on. Right. I, I read – I actually read the Wikipedia uh, the second after I finished the episode. Marquise Goodwin went to, like, the U.S. Olympic trials – to try okay. and make the team in the long jump. And he had the number one and two jumps of the year in the world. So, like, he definitely had a good chance. But it's long jump is the type of thing where it's, like, the best guy is not going to win every single one because it's very easy to foul and just not have a super great jump. There's not a lot of consistency. Okay. So he didn't make it. And it's like, you just, like, wasted. You're probably going like, to, like, cut from your NFL team to try and make some Olympic team. And what if it happens and you get there? You're probably not going to win a medal because that's really hard. And Maybe he loves win, America. Maybe what if you win America. like a bronze medal? Who cares? That gets you 25 grand from uh, really? you know, the Olympic Committee or 20 grand. I'd, I would love to have a bronze medal. Yeah, but you're in the NFL. It's not like you're a loser on the street. Like I understand why some college kid wants to like, take a year or two off. It just seems like so much effort for these people. Brian, you know the decathlon is always considered the world's greatest athlete, right? Yeah, okay. And Brian Clay was an American who was the best in the world. He won, and like there was a New York Times article about him, like the year after he won Olympic medal, and he's still the number one in the world. And his his he ma- he was making five figures, like he was not even clearing a hundred grand a year. So like his peak was like eighty five grand, like if he continued to be the best in the world for another why, Olympic cycle. Why is it all three money? What about com- competition? Well, Peace you have to like it's expensive. You have to pay your coach. You have to. Well, but they have sponsors. The the best guy has a sponsor. Like the seventh best guy doesn't necessarily have a sponsor. Yeah. Well, better be number one then. And the, and the and the decathlon just by the nature of it gets like ten minutes of TV time max during the Olympics because the field doesn't like archery. Will, like what I did archery. Archery gets its own channel. You know, like they'll show it separate because they're not going to use it on the. You ever watch the Olympics? Yeah. So they're not going to use it on the Costas primetime feed, right? Okay. Yeah. So that, like, they have no problem. Doesn't make for good TV. I, I, actually, archery's become much more popular since the Hunger Games. Uh, the ratings were amazing in 2012. <laughs> I'm not joking. The ratings were unbelievable in 2012. I, it was really, I, I loved working on archery. It was a big success. But uh, archery's probably not going to make it. Fencing is never going to make it. It's, it's not really made for television. It's very complicated to figure out the scoring system. Did Looks, you ever used to see those fencers when you were in YU? And they would take over the gym? It looks really weird, right? 
Well, I got to be honest. It was not exactly the uh, coolest crowd who was doing the fence. No. <laughs> None of those teams were the coolest. <laughs> I hate that people can retweet themselves now. Who's retweeting themselves? That's a, a lot of so people. Uh, the Fades uh, li- always likes his own Facebook posts. That's, but does he do it as a joke? Because he can get away with it as a joke. Well, I mean, everything he does, he gets away with as a joke. Right. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> so, anyways, all right. So, we'll be back next week to uh, preview the, the top 31 players in NBA history. Yeah. All right. Uh, what's your new sign-off? You said you're done with whatever, and you have a new sign-off to debut. Ha- you know, I haven't thought of one. I said we have to, like, discuss it. Well, isn't it oh. enough that I sort of call myself Wheels? Like, do right, I, ha- so- I feel like I need a few weeks to come up with. If someone this has is Wheels Wienerker signing off. Well, you're not Wheels Wienerker. Well, I don't know. But is that, what are you, you what's gotta- your name? I, I don't know. What do you like? Do you ever have a got, nickname? My my kids came in once during the podcast. Yeah. And they called you Chesty Westy. Do you think that could stick? No. I mean, in a, I've had many nicknames related to, to my last name, obviously. Mm-hmm. But uh, I've never heard Chesty Westy in particular. Well, listen, the minds of a, two, of a seven-year-old is uh, pretty creative. Yeah. I guess she doesn't know the word molester yet. Well, let's hope not. <laughs> <laughs> you have to take that out. <laughs> Uh, no, I just meant like Chester the Molester. No, I, I, we know you meant, but still. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. So, Akiva signing off with uh, no sign-off. Is that correct? Wait, can I say bye? You hate when I say bye. No, you say it in a weird way. You're like, bye. Bye. Yeah. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.